Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. I love Championship Sunday a lot. I love the schedule of it. Ideally, you have the four best teams. I think this is the real NFL fan Super Bowl weekend. Championship Sunday's for the real ones. Let's do it. It's go time. Pacheco in the backfield sets up to the left of Mahomes. Mahomes in the pocket. Throws a deep one. Behind the defense. It is caught. Valdez Scantling with the grab. He got behind Millett for 33 yards. Mahomes has done it again. They were just on a path to destruction all season long. Andy Reid looking for his former assistant in Philadelphia. Yeah, and he's heading back to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. Fourth and three. Goff, pressure, in trouble. Throws on the run, incomplete. They'll break huddle. They'll be in the victory formation. It's 4th and 11, Purdy is under center, he takes the snap, he backpedals a step, zeroes on the clock, it's over, the sideline's empty. With the comeback for the ages, the 49ers are going back to the Super Bowl. Bernstein and Hope, middays 10 a.m. to 2 on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. You know my advice on this day, and it should have been heated last night. The moment you know the Super Bowl combatants, independent of injury and somebody who could be healthy, returning, etc., have your first thought, your first thought on who you think is going to win and why. And because by the time we get through all the hype and all the stupid and you get to kickoff, you will be able to convince yourself of anything. So you, your your best, clearest, most lucid thought is probably the first thing you thought when you knew who was playing. I'm going to go with not betting against Patrick Mahomes. That is exactly the first thing I thought. It's the same thing I said before the AFC Championship game. I said Mahomes and points is a, a tough thing to to walk away from when you know that guy's just got that magic. Yeah, he does. And watching them, like, you know what's crazy about the the AFC title game is they won the turnover battle 3-0, and it was a score game. Right. Like a one-score game. Like, that's how good Baltimore's defense is, is that in a game where you, you guys turned it over and had some really dumb stuff happen, you lost by a touchdown. Now, granted, you lost by a touchdown at home, but 
to even be in a game where you lose the battle three nothing is kind of amazing. But you should have seen me yesterday because our our travel back from LaGuardia sort of coincided with kickoff of the first game. So I am going from and I'm texting, I'm like, what's our direct TV password? How can I get that into the CBS Sports app? And then having to transfer that over from the Wi-Fi in the airport, you get on the plane, and then you got to go to airplane mode, and then you got to log into the United Wi-Fi, and can I stream? And that's for, for a while, I was on a game tracker, and then it was in and out with the actual streaming that kept cutting out. And then the moment the plane lands, you can go back to actual streaming and trying to walk through the airport while staring at your phone to watch the entire game. And then we get home, like walk in the door, turn the heat back up, throw the suitcases in, flip the TV on just as the national anthem was ending for the second game. So that is like, ah, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a, a wild process watching everything that was going on in the first game. And I'm half doing play by play for other people at baggage claim to asking what's happening. Well, not like once you got settled in did and then the lions were like, Hey, are you settled in? Cool. Watch this. We're right. going to just score immediately. That was, and, and not only that, spectacularly. I mean, just carve him up, and there he is. They're pulling out his shirt, and he's running in. And it, look, I'm telling you, this, this sport, it's amazing to me that it is not an exaggeration to say that Kendall Vildor missing that interception might have changed Brock Purdy's career arc. It's funny that you say that because I was thinking about it like as the game was going on and you're watching that first half and you're like, "Oh wow, they're going to they're going to replace him." Like the, this offseason is going to be spent replacing Brock Purdy. Was he 7 of 15, 93 yards, had an interception, didn't look himself, didn't look comfortable, and you're going, "This is going to be a route and the 49ers are going to be out here. And in my mind, I was like, maybe they're a trading partner for the Bears. Maybe Justin Fields is running that system next year. And then in the second half, they were able to turn around. Brock Purdy made some incredible plays and started to use his feet more in the second half, like 50 yards rushing in the second half of the game. And I don't know if they still might not want to look to replace him, but it because they have it's not like it, there's not precedent for it. Like they they've done that before with a quarterback that got to the Super Bowl, you know. So it's it's not unprecedented for them to continue to look for whoever is going to do this the right way. Think about it. Vildor picks that ball, play it out. It hit, hits him in the face, but instead of that, he catches it, catches it, and then all of a sudden. Maybe the Lions get a couple of first downs. The whole dynamic changes, and then all the stories are Brock Purdy turns back into a pumpkin on the biggest day, and this was all a fraud, and now it's, he's clearly not up to the challenge. I mean, it really is. It's, it's amazing, and I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating. No, I, I think that they're – I find myself to be fairly reasonable in some of the – I'm not, like, super – I don't ordinarily like just react and like and be a prisoner of the moment, but this has been the conversation about Brock Purdy because of his draft status. And it's funny because we, we tend to do this both in a positive and negative way for people. 
folks that are drafted in the first round get more time to figure stuff out because of the level of talent. Someone who is Mr. Irrelevant or a, a, a free agent that ends up being on a team gets is always going to be scrutinized a little bit more than someone who is picked in the first round. When things don't go, that's why I, I like Brock Purdy a lot. And like I was telling you last week, I think he's a B in every single category. Which is really good. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who's going to have a long and lucrative career. And it, and it could be, you know, he could end up being a Super Bowl winning. But, but it's like the amount of weapons that they have, and you saw it. Like, okay, you have Debo Samuel. You have Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey, who I thought was. He's a god. He's so good. Like, he's. You in the rough yards, like there was a run where Detroit had him at the line of scrimmage, and then he just kind of zips through, and he gets eight yards on the run. Like it's it's the stuff like that that is backbreaking, where you feel like you've got a guy bottled up, and he's like, no, I'm just gonna keep my legs moving. No, he's he's like he's like one of those hockey guys that finishes every shift at like you no know, even at the very very end when he's totally gassed. It doesn't matter. You never see his shoulders slump. You saw him yesterday put up a like. I I need I need a break here. Like he knows when he's spent and he's I got need a play. I, yeah, give me one play. I got to catch myself. But other than that, he's a hundred percent all the time and and not out of control. Well, when you have that guy and Debo and Brandon Ayuk, who I think is really terrific too, and George Kittle, so like you're worried about all those guys. Who's the guy that played a huge role in the comeback yesterday? Use check. Just, oh, yeah. They also have the best fullback in the game, too. And maybe the best left tackle. It's amazing. But when use check made that catch, looking like you know, prime Jerry Rice, <laughs> what do you, that, that's a fullback. Yes. You're not supposed to be able to do that. Yes. That's not fair. And meanwhile, the Lions are just like, drop. Whoa. Oh, dude. Whoa. Just dropping the ball. Embarrassing. Dropping first downs, em- dropping fourth down plays. Embarrassing. It's just really, really bad. I will say I had a blast yesterday, and I threw it up on Twitter. I need, from now on, whenever there's a Lions game, I need a Pinnell Sewell camp because I can't stop watching that guy. Pinnell Sewell He's, is, what was his 40 time? I, I don't, 4 8 maybe? He's he's amazing. Yeah, this cheat code stuff with a guy. What does he weigh? Three twenty. And he they used him as an eligible receiver. He was in motion yesterday. He was coming around and hitting guys. Now Bosa got got home a couple times, and that's going to happen when you have one of the premier pass rushers. But watching Panay Sewell just it just at a moment's notice, just all right. Cool. I'm gonna pancake this guy. I'm gonna run over here, and I'm gonna get this guy. I'm pulling on this play. I'm a tight end on this play. There was the one play where he went out into the flat and was open for a first down. He's amazing. He ran a 5.0940. Okay, that's actually slower than I thought. At 331 pounds, I know, right? I know, but he, but it's just the way he moves and the the athleticism, the fluidity that he moves. Like, that's a guy that clearly played running back at some point. Like when you watch him, you just go, oh, oh, look at that. Look at that athleticism. 
It's off the charts. In a league full of incredible athletes, in a weekend where the incredible athletes were doing incredible stuff, I'm keyed in on Panay Sewell, just like, wow. Would you look at that? Now, the beautiful thing is I actually think the, the Bears have someone who's got some of that. Darnell Wright has got some of that, that crazy off-the-chart athleticism. And he's got some nasty, but Sewell, like, as a player, he's, he's freakishly athletic. He seems to understand the game really well. And he's clearly gone to his coaches and said, whatever you need me to do. I will do it. If I'm playing right tackle, if we're overloading a side and I have to go over to the, the left side on a play, if you want to line me up as a tight end, that's cool. Fullback, fine. I can do all of that stuff. To see that level of athleticism and it be used, it's one thing for like even a guy like Darnell Wright where we can identify it and say, look at all that talent. It's another thing for a, a coaching staff to have enough creativity to go, Man, this guy's literally one of our best athletes. Let's find ways to use that to our advantage. I want to see him take a snap. I want to see the direct snap. I'm fine. Hey, tush maybe push, tush push with a with a left with a right tackle. Let's maybe do it. in some of those short yardage situations, maybe that's what you should do. I'm gonna say, but he would be hard to push almost. Like who would be pushing him? On that play. Like, you need five guys Get lined up behind back there. I mean, right? <laughs> Just for the hilarity. <laughs> He'd end up disappearing inside him, inside the tush. I mean, he's gone. What happened to Jared Goff? I don't know. He tried to push him, and he, he's gone. Never to be heard from again. <laughs> Where's our quarterback? I don't know. I don't what know. happened? He, he disappeared. He tried to. <laughs> he tried. I, I, he made a mistake. A terrible, terrible mistake. And something has happened. Speaking of terrible mistakes, I want to go back to the AFC title game for a minute because I, I think that there were, like, I, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, I looked at, there was part of me that wanted to do an experiment today, but I, I didn't think of it quick enough to, like, tell you and, and, and tell That's the crew. Right. We're adaptable. I, I wanted to kind of do four segments as if we were in those cities. Ooh. Right? Well, I, mean, I know that we're going to do one. Like, we're in, in Detroit in a minute. Mm -hmm. But if I were doing Baltimore radio this morning, I'd be so mad at Todd Monken. Even with all the great things that he did and the fact that Lamar's going to be named MVP next week, you lined like, yeah, against a team that you could actually run the ball against. You lined up in 11 personnel 63% of the time. And the stuff that they were doing in the second half, it felt so panicky. It felt so we're not the best team in the AFC. We're not in control of this game. And, and I, we, I, we don't have an opportunity with a simple read option to put you in conflict. Right. You've got one of the premier weapons in football. The guy who's literally going to be the MVP. And you didn't use, like, he made plays with his feet, but it was from pockets collapsing. The other thing was, to me, it was, it was a tale of the blitz. Baltimore's blitz didn't get home enough early enough. Kansas City did a great job of, of pass pro to allow for plays to take place. On the flip side, it seemed like 
every time Spagnolo dialed up blitz, he was able to either affect the play or sack the quarterback. Lamar Jackson got sacked, what, twice on third down. And you're just sitting there going, like, if, if I were doing Baltimore radio today, I'd be pissed because of You'd it. You'd be nasty Nestor. I would be nasty you'd have, Nestor. You'd have your jersey on. You'd be, you're, you're like, I'm a guy who wears jerseys, and I'm nasty. And I'm nasty, I'm gonna nasty give, boys. I'm going to give myself a nickname and wear jerseys. Well, it's Nestor. So he's nasty Nestor. Right. So it just I'm I'm open Nestor. It's different. I just I don't know. I, I was I'm sitting there going, come on. <laughs> like I'm sitting there screaming at the TV, like, do the thing. They only had two designed runs for Lamar Jackson. That is yeah, malpractice. Yeah, that is. I think really... they had I think they had ten true run plays. All the rest were Lamar Jackson scrambling. Sounds like the Ravens got getsied. It's like Come on! You got the guy! We're broadcasting the guy do stuff. live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, Ray Diaz, Adam Studzinski, Brandon Fryer, Connor O'Donnell. And when we come back, uh, we I had a very, very disappointed wife last night because her guy lost bad. He, he stuck to his guns and he was himself. She was legitimately unhappy for him because she's such a big Dan Campbell stan. I get it. And uh, Dan Campbell, look, he was, as Shakespeare would say, hoist on his own petard, as it were. Very well done. Stan, Eminem, very good. Very he good. didn't do that on purpose. No, I, I didn't. But thank you for the credit on that one. Although you did notice that I think there was a mistake at one point where they were rolling out to break and Kevin Burkhart, they, this, and the music was Martha and the Vandellas dancing in the street. But Kevin Burkhart said something about they only got one shot. I'm like, wait, did they did they fire that? Because their music is awesome. And yeah. whoever's in charge of their music, they're by far the best bump music of any football production. Too much Seven Nation Army yesterday, though. Jack White has other songs. But I thought when he said made the one shot reference, they had they were rolling into Eminem, right? So I didn't know if that was a crossed wire or it just some sort of I think he was just trying to get every reference that he could out yesterday. By the way, we'll talk about it later on in in the show and and this week. The Fox broadcast was a million miles ahead of the CBS broadcast. It's like being let out of jail. It's like being let out of football broadcast jail. I, I and you're was, running naked in the street, yes. pouring champagne <laughs> over your head, right? It's just the best feeling in the world. So, oh, it, it, it can be easy. It's really not that hard to connect with me as a viewer, to inform, to, to teach, to entertain. To understand that you're broadcasting and not narrowcasting and to, not, to your partner. And to not make people dumber. Just don't make people dumber. And Fox blows through that standard. Yep. It's very nice. I We'll get into it, but in my mind, even for Tom Brady, you can't replace Greg Olson. I just think he's he's really great, and it's clear like he is working at craft, that he's not satisfied with where he's already at. Like, he wants to be better. And he's seeing so much. Yep. So he's seeing so many angles. When he showed Randy Gregory 
coming down the line, but he said he's a little too shallow and he almost overdoes it because his angle's too flat to the line and it, it, he wasn't able to keep the edge. Little things like that are so cool when they're pointed out to you, right? And it's and it's it shouldn't be that hard as it is for some, but uh, rough times for Dan Campbell. We will discuss that and more when we come back on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Fourth and three. Stop. Pressure. In trouble. Throws on the run. Incomplete. And the gamble on fourth down does not pay off. No, it didn't. And there's there's one point where he was getting ready to go for it, and then somebody in his headset or someone near him talked him out of it. He's like, field goal, fine, field goal. But you wonder if those voices should have been amplified further at a couple other critical junctures in the game. Dan Campbell has made a lot of hay out of being the go-for-it guy. And it's all fun until your season's over. Yes. And it's interesting because people will give him credit and say, well, you know, he does that all the time. That's just who he is. And there's there's something to be said for that. I would just also like to offer up that it's also okay to go against your instincts sometimes. That they're not like that's the balance of of it's, like great it's your coaching. Job. Yeah. That you're not just supposed to be like, "Oh, I always just do this." And that's you have to take certain things into account. What I find fascinating, I, I was I said it to you last week, and we joked a little bit about it on Twitter yesterday, is that his bravado plays into what the folks, what the actual like numbers are. Like fourth and three, you should be going for. I I am a go for it guy because of the math, but you also have to read out the game, and that's what I think he didn't do a great job of yesterday. Saying, hey, we can make this a three-score game. That, and, and I get that you're thinking, okay, I'm going for the kill shot. That he's thinking, we score a touchdown here, the game's over. But even I was like, you got a chance to, if it's, if it's going to 16, no. But a chance to go 17? Uh, and I get that the Lions kicking game has been... A question mark. You have a, a a traveling kicker that that is a recent former bear. Yeah, a, a guy that you you cut and you bring back and you put him on the practice squad and all of that stuff. It just seems like he was in such go for it mode that he didn't look at the opportunity to really affect the other team outside of the go for this it. This is what I do. This is right. who I am. And even after the game. When he talked about that, he sounded like he's resigned to the fact that he would do it again because this is what he does. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and and not letting them play long ball. You know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. And I wanted to get the upper hand back, you know. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. I get that. But... I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't. We didn't come through. We wasn't able to 
to work out, but I just, I don't. I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. But, you know, we just, just didn't work out. Well, I guess I'm a little disappointed in Dan Campbell because it's okay to regret. And he's shown a, a willingness to absolutely do that. like his vulnerability is what makes him so adorable is because he's he is that jawed tough guy, but he is also vulnerable and maybe a little tinge of regret would indicate that you learn something from it. Maybe and maybe he just needs a little bit more time that it's a that it's a raw nerve right now sure. and maybe when he goes back. I agree with this texter, the text 847 texter that says he should have done the opposite of all three times. I'm with you on that. That the time to be aggressive was the time when he actually did kick the field goal, where the other two times where the way I looked at the third in- incident, where I'm sitting there going, you're going to tie the game up, aren't you? Because you had, they had rattled off with 27 unanswered points by then. Why don't you do something to stop this? You still have an opportunity. Maybe your team figures it out, and you're able to to then get everyone back together and say, guys, I know that we had a big lead, but guess what? Now it's 0-0. We're right where we want to be. Let's go win this game. Whatever happened over the last 49 minutes of the game doesn't matter. We're tied in the NFC Championship game. Let's go win it. That's what I would have liked to have seen. The other part is the execution. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. You got to catch the ball. And I know that Josh Reynolds has done some nice things for them throughout the season. He's made some plays. But juxtapose that with, with Valdez Scantling yesterday. And the game before. Like, you got to have it. And this is a guy that you don't, he isn't necessary. He's not the one receiver on your team. He came up with two clutch catches. And that last one, like, the, it was a hands, it looked like an Alshon Jeffrey hands catch, go to the ground, squeezing the points of the football. Like, he was not going to drop that. And if he does drop that, like, that, you're stopping the clock, I think, ahead of the two-minute warning. Like, there, that was a, that was a, that took a huge set. From Patrick Mahomes to make that throw and Valdez Scanling to, to end up making the catch in that situation. I'm all for the guy that's aggressive. And I do think that it's it's very cool that you have a guy that his macho is exactly what the numbers would say. So it feels even better. It feels better because it's backed up by data. Like it, it'd be one thing if he's like, yeah, I just got a gut feeling, even though the numbers are are saying go the other way. He's always, for the most part, got the backing of the analytics department. Coincidentally. Right, right. That's what's beautiful about it. He's like, oh, well, I mean, of course I went for it, but. I mean, the, the fact is John Harbaugh goes for it a lot, too. But he doesn't make a thing out of like, this is who I am and this is what I do. I mean, a lot of good coaches go for it a lot because you're just supposed to. You have an extra down to get the yards that you need, and you can use it. And the numbers say that you're more likely to to get those yards than not. But there's some times where you have to look beyond the numbers, and there's no way to know this until now. 
But you had a guy in in Reynolds yesterday that was the moment was too big. And maybe feel that as a head coach when you got some guys who are spitting the bit. Like that's and I I said that on the couch yesterday. I said these guys are playing like they're a little nervous. Well, once once they you saw San Francisco wasn't going to quit. I think that there was a little bit of Detroit feeling like, and of course, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is out there on the sidelines acting as if. They thought that the opponent was going to quit because they had been punched in the mouth. And I understand that. Like You, you want to try and dominate a team, and you, want, you didn't finish the job. And once, to, to use like the fighter's reference, once San Francisco got off the mat and was like, oh, okay. We're bleeding. We're bleeding. Are you all right? Can you still go? Yeah. I think we're going to fight back now. And and now you're playing defensively. You're playing scared. You're playing tight. Herbie brought up the, the you know, tight booty syndrome, TBS. Mm-hmm. It was out there on display for Detroit. And that made me laugh. Like, I, they have spent the last two seasons exorcising demons of seasons past. And then it all came back in one half of football. Lions going to Lions. Lions Inc. All of it, like, just came rushing back in the second half. Accelerated by the decisions that your your proud, tough coach was makes as part of who he is. And like you say, you can enjoy all of it, but there's a time and a place to where discretion is the better part of valor. Yeah, and, and I think that he'll learn that too. Like I, I think that he has a capacity to learn lessons. And I think that's what makes him one of those coaches that people want to play for, that he's not, he doesn't feel like almighty. It feels like he'll go back, whether it's today or tomorrow or whenever, and he'll be like, you know, I, I probably, we probably should have done this, this, and this. Like, I have a lot of faith. Oh, that he's going to beat himself up over. He's going to, yeah. he's going to, he's going to be a mess. Yeah. Like Dan Campbell's going to be a mess. He's, he's going to need to mourn this all off season and mostly through the season next year. But it does still give you the, the like, looking at it from the perspective of here in Chicago, of how tough this ride is going to be that the Bears want to go on. They're just teams that are that are. And the Bears played the Lions really well. But there are these teams that you're going to have to, to battle and fight with to, to get on the same stage as them. But it, is just, it just made me sad because you saw it. I, someone asked me if I did the Holmes maneuver last night. And I was so stunned that I didn't. Because there was a part of me that was like... A buddy in my White Sox group chat did. He got uh, plus, he get? plus 20? 300 on the money line. He only got plus three? For, at halftime. Really? That was all that was available? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I don't feel as bad. But still, like there, you could see that was one of those games where you could have bet Detroit early, cashed out, bet the 49ers with great odds, and had a wonderful day. But I was just sitting there so stunned on my couch that it never even crossed my mind. Like, I was just sitting there going, oh, wow, this is – they are really going to – they're going to do the thing. They're going to do the Lions thing that they do all the time until two years ago. And they gave you every bit of the paint-by-numbers with the decision-making, with the drop passes, with all of it. It was right there. There were times last night where I thought that Jared Goff, too, 
didn't play with enough urgency. Like, as they're trailing, and I'm not saying that he has to become Superman, but even, like, as as the time's, like, ticking off the clock, I'm like, hey. Let's go. Let's go. And and Gotta then, here. and yep. the reverse of that is what I don't understand about Detroit, and it's one of the things that, that made me mad about Baltimore, too. Baltimore did this, and I just hated it. Second down play doesn't work. They run hurry up on third and nine. Don't do that. Take your time to get that play right. And they always look discombobulated when they did it. We mentioned former Bear Kendall Vildor. We mentioned former Bear Michael Badgley. How about some some props to Dion Bush? Shout out to Dion Bush. Dion Bush still still going, still in the NFL making a play. Yep. And as we're discussing the Bears, the Bears made a move. They got a guy to do a job. He is their nominal defensive coordinator, but it's not really defensive coordinator. Sure it is. He's coordinating the defense. He's just not calling it. Yeah, right. Right. He's so, coordinating it. Uh, fine. So we'll discuss Eric Washington. Yeah. Next. Bernstein at Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. You have to make sure that they remain one dimensional. And so we can um, anticipate some of the things that we'll get from their passing game from the quarterback uh, where he's excelled. And um, the formula is, you know, it, it rotates back to our goals, our ambitions, and that's to, you know, take the football away from them and give our offense as many opportunities as possible. That is the voice of Eric Washington. He is the Bears defensive coordinator. If we're talking about him at all this season, something horrible has happened. Or something great. No, something great has happened. We're talking about Eberflus, right? Well, I'm saying, well, what if what happens is that Eberflus feels so comfortable with Washington that he lets him call plays? Okay, that's different. There's no evidence. That's that, great. Well, there, yeah, but that's, that's we're sort of really extrapolating. I just, uh, he seems perfectly competent and qualified. Yes. There's nothing in his resume that would suggest he isn't qualified for this job. He has a, a long experience in 40-front cover two defenses. Yep, at every level. He's coached a lot of good players. He's coached a lot of years. The Buffalo fans didn't seem all, you know, been out of shape losing him. But he's, a, he's an NFL guy. He's an NFL guy doing, yes. doing a perfect NFL guy job. Yes. And I wish him the best of luck. Some would say that this is a sign of progress, that you now have, like, black coaches that are retreading yeah like lifers around the league like, like that's a sign of of progress some would say that i don't know if i would but some would you're not yeah, maybe i i could understand the argument okay saying we've made it this far where we can just you know, yeah. be like league guys or or like even like some of the quarterbacks that are around like teddy bridgewater like you know teddy's just hanging around you know what he is he's retired now but you know you know a guy like this is Good football man. He's got a he's a good football man with a good football face. Good football man. See, this is the kind of thing this for years in baseball. He's good good baseball man. That meant drinking buddy who was fine. Or dr- drinking, not just drinking buddy, but usually when you hear people in the media describe it that way, source. 
Good baseball man. He's a good baseball man. Good baseball man. Yeah, he's a, really? He's a really good unnamed league executive. Correct. He's, he's awesome at that. He's so good at that thing. One anonymous league source said, I wonder what goes into the evaluation for Eberflus on him calling plays versus maybe he just liked the feel of it again. I know that you, you were kind of forced into it because you had a nasty man that you had to fire. It was also his, if I don't know if Eberflus was smart enough to do this, but the idea, the idea of I'm calling plays might have helped save his job. It might have connected him to the team uh-huh. more. It, it might have helped save his job. I think he 100% was th- well, well aware of this and thinking about it. There was the, the one um, post-game press conference where he, he kind of like took a victory lap for like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was me that calling was me. those That's plays. That's right. Was, who called Who's those plays? Brushing the dirt that off his shoulders, that was me. popping his collar. <laughs> Yo, that, yeah, that was me. Yeah, so, but, What's up, yours? But, but that would give him... A lot I don't of, know what's up yours. A lot of credit as sort of a crafty behind the scenes politician. And I, I think it might have just been dumb luck. I don't know. I don't know if it was dumb luck. I, I think that there is some skill into calling a defense. Oh no, and, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying but the idea of wait a second, if I, if I take over play calling, there's nobody else here who's qualified to do this. And realizing that he just really sort of feeling the circumstances, you know, putting the, the, a finger to the wind. You're like, if this goes right, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming much harder to fire. Well, I look at it, forget about, like, the success of the defense. I'm looking at it from the, the connection to players, where as the CEO head coach, it's not that you're not approachable, but we, the way that Jaquan Brisker would talk to us about his relationship with Matt Eberflus, or the way that Jalen Johnson would talk with the afternoon show about that. I think that he was able to connect more easily to his players by calling plays than he was as the CEO head coach. I don't know if he would admit to that or if that's it. It might be something that he values that, that he now is like, that's I thought that what I wanted was to be the CEO head coach and that I didn't want to call plays. I wanted to be able to oversee everything. But maybe he still needs that connection to be connected with the players. And he found it. And it's it seems pretty clear to me that the players did him quite the solid in their exit interviews. That they might be the reason that he's still the head coach of this team. And would that have played out the same way if he would have promoted John Hoke to be the defensive coordinator last year. Here's the resume for Eric Washington. And I I think this speaks of a a highly qualified person for this position. He's 54 years old. He started out as an assistant coach at Texas A&M. He was an assistant coach at Ohio University. Defensive line coach at Northwestern. Oh, John Greenberg is going to do like a thousand word piece. I'm sure it's already done. He's just waiting for publication. Uh, so Northwestern defensive line coach from 04 through 07. Bears defensive assistant, 08, 09. He was the Bears defensive line coach in 2010. Carolina Panthers, same job then through 2017. The Panthers defensive coordinator, 2018 and 2019. The Bills defensive line coach in 2020 and 2021. The Bills senior defensive assistant slash defensive line coach in 22. And last year, he was the Bills assistant head coach and defensive line coach. 
That is that is that's a foot that's an NFL football resume yeah, right yeah, yes. there. But that is that is football face. Where you been? I've been all guy. over the country. I've been everywhere, man. Yes. Yeah, so if he's gonna be, he's been with the Bears. I I don't know how successful he was with the Bears. Twenty ten, they were good, right? Yeah. Wasn't that the? It's fine. It's exactly. It's fine. That's exactly how I feel. It's fine. Yeah. You bring in someone who can help. As far as like putting your game plan together, that can run your practices, that can maybe help you learn some things that you didn't know, and then you call the plays. What's wrong with you? Why is your bagel all torn up? I tore it up because I was going to eat it in pieces. Okay. That's just interesting. That's not how I would ordinarily do it. It's just kind of bothering me. Sorry, my, well, my, my, it's my bagel. My OC- so. I know, but my OCD trait is not doing well at the moment. But All right, Lawrence, air it out. Is there anything that bothers you about Dan's <laughs> pork rind eating habits? <laughs> no. I don't have any. I don't have any rinds today. Right now. I can't. I'm okay with food for the next while. Oh, the, the yeah, real leave question. Leave my food alone. Man. My bad. My question was a bad question. What about chicken? His chicken eating habits. I mean, everyone is upset with the way that Dan eats chicken. You're tearing up that chicken all the time, Dan. How yeah. you? How, how you have a problem with the torn up bagel? Well, I'm tearing it up like with my. I mean, like with my mouth. I don't. I don't yeah, rip I'd, it up in pieces I'd, I'd before rather, I eat it. I'd rather not do that. I'd rather not. Just gonna have stuff flying everywhere, like you're yeah. ripping at a carcass, like I, a wolverine. And that's the one thing, ironically, that I did not get on on this trip to Brooklyn was a bagel, because I ate. I so- thought you were gonna say wolverine. No, I just they. There's in the, Canada. The bagels there are incredible, and but I got I had one of the best slices of pizza I ever had in my life. For I had three bucks, right? Yeah, that's all it should be for a slice of cheese pizza. So how, that's a great price. Man. It, I can't find that price anywhere. Really, it's, it's so good. It was so 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 good. I, it's. It, and then I, I, there was a old Junior's Deli was near us, and cons- both Friday night and Saturday night I had two dinners. And for, we st- Friday night was a place in Brooklyn called Frankie's, which is all homemade Italian stuff. They make their own breads, proprietary olive oil, homemade pastas, and the place looks like where uh, Michael Corleone murdered Salazzo. Like it, it looks like it's right out of 1952 or whatever it is, or whatever year that was, and so that was that. And then I went and I got the half pastrami, half corned beef, and chopped liver added. It was probably three quarters of a pound or a pound of meat, side of steak fries and and brown mushroom gravy. And then the next night was the was the bat mitzvah party, so I ate that. And then at the end of that night. Went back to Junior's and got the same sandwich and fries and gravy. <laughs> Two nights in a row, I did the same sandwich at the same deli. Go get it, baby. Yeah. yeah. I tried the I did the special edition Oreo black and white Ooh, cookie. How was that? Not good. No? No. Oh, that's terribly disappointing. I, I would have preferred that would they, they would go back to something that they used to do, which was my favorite Oreo cookie was the head and tails, where you get the golden cookie and the original Oreo with you know, head and tail double stuff. Like, that's all I need. I'm good to go. Like the the duplex cookie that you get at the Jewels. Yeah. It's like, but, but it's Oreo, so it's a higher quality. Okay. But I was like, oh, man, this seems like a cool idea. And I was like, eh, this isn't working. Like, the fudge isn't fudging the way that it should be. Too bad. I'm sorry to hear. Yeah, me too. You know, I was, th- those disappointments are always, uh, they're a blow. You know? So I, I, after I tried a couple, I just brought them and sent them into the BBM newsroom because they'll eat anything. 
Well, they also supply us with candy. Yeah, we it's a quid pro quo with candy and treats and whatnot. Next up, Dan Weederer will give us his thoughts, not only on the Bears defensive coordinator hire, but everything that's happening across the NFL with our Super Bowl combatants. I'm going to enjoy my torn Now up known. Bagel. Yeah, enjoy your torn up bagel. Weederer next. A big bag of beef. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast celebrate and save at ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys your choice of color starting at just 3.99 ashley sleep mattresses starting at 250 plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like stearns and foster temper pedic purple and beauty rest black with 60 month special financing only at ashley subject to credit approval no minimum purchase required minimum monthly payment down payment tax and delivery may be required see store for details This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Dan Weederer, on-air contributor for 670 The Score. You're going to be relying on a lot of young players, guys that have to materialize into who they thought they were. The Bears are who we thought they were. When either they drafted them or guys that they believe in that were already here, that's guys like Justin Fields. Bears beat reporter and enterprise writer for the Chicago Tribune. We'll mention this mainly because Chicago Tribune writer Dan Weederer said we would mention this nugget. I'd leave here tonight just thinking that maybe this was just a timely reminder that this team isn't there yet, and they're a long way from there yet, and this climb is really steep. Dan Wiederer. Get your track shoes on. With Bernstein and Holmes on 670 The Score. You want football thoughts? You get football thoughts on this post-championship Sunday, Monday, beginning to prepare you for the Super Bowl. And Dan Wiederer can be found on Twitter at Dan Wiederer, Bears beat reporter for the Tribune, co-host of the Take the North podcast, is on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Sports Illinois and twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. What's up, Dan? Good morning, guys. How are you? 
We are doing really well. What are your biggest takeaways from the AFC championship game? So uh, there's a couple things there, Lawrence, that, that stick with me. And one of them is I, I, I don't know why, but I've felt this sort of pain for the Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens the last two weeks. So these teams that are, are seemingly doing things the right way, that have found their quarterback, that are giving themselves those annual swings in January to go after this thing and then be left kind of staring at this Chiefs juggernaut that should have been vulnerable this year and not being able to get past it and just feeling that pain. You know, I think you guys lived it closer than I did, but I think back to the conversations I've had with guys from the, the 2006 Bears who talk about, seeing the Colts take the, the need and the Super Bowl and just thinking like, man, I can't wait to be back and then never getting back and 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 just knowing how how precious these opportunities are. And you just feel that that pain. Um, my second takeaway is it just felt like the Ravens may have suffered from a little bit of stage fright, kind of equal opportunity stage mm-hmm. fright. That feels a little bit harsh to me, like the the the, the, the that label, but whatever one level below that is, because they just it wasn't a characteristic game that they played uh, with their season on the line, and I think that that's going to frustrate them for the, for the next three or four months. Yeah, the way Lawrence phrased it, I think really well was it's like they forgot how good they were. They they weren't acting like the favorite. They weren't acting like the top well, seed. And and that's that's the power of the Chiefs in some ways because I think the Chiefs scoring those two early touchdowns kind of turned it into a belief game and and when you're in a belief game the Chiefs are going to win that ninety percent of the time because it, it just felt like that impacted them a little bit where it was like oh no like like this team is for real that we're playing and then they just kind of got outside themselves they didn't commit to the run I think the the final total on fifteen yard penalties was five of them you can't have that in a championship game didn't take care of the football couldn't take it away and it was just like man that like that wasn't the team they were all year and all of a sudden on the biggest stage of their season they they, they weren't able to meet that moment Travis Kelsey's numbers overall this past season are down but they were still pretty awesome even with down play in the playoffs he's been incredible and it, it seemed very clear that they felt like they had a matchup advantage that they could exploit with him. And he did a great job of, I I think he and Patrick Mahomes are the best and maybe one of the best ever tandems at, I know what my quarterback's going to do and I'm going to be in the place where the quarterback wants me to be. There's just, there's just such a jealousy of being able to lean on that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you've got, you've got this ultimate Trump card and you got a guy calling plays who's pretty good at it. And you're able to just kind of, kind of lean on that. And the experience in those moments is a big deal. Um, And, and, you know, like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just something special about it. And they've obviously found their formula of, of, you know, rising up when they need to rise up because this wasn't their spectacular season. This was kind of their, their down year, their panic year. And here they are going back to play on the, the final Sunday of February. What about in the NFC title game? <laughs> what, what, what did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, same thing you guys talked about. And it, it was funny because it, obviously the start of the second half is everything. And the 49ers put together that drive and they go down the field and then they settle for three. You know, and even Kyle Shanahan after the game was chalking that up as a loss where it was like, you're in this chase game, you're down 17 points and settling for a field goal there wasn't enough. And so the Lions had a chance to, to not only chalk that up as a win, but then to get the, the neutralizer with their own drive. And when they didn't convert on third down, I, I, I said to my son, I said, you cannot go for it here. And he goes, but he's Dan Campbell. And I said, like, there are sometimes that the, the a deep exhale is far more valuable than an adrenaline rush. And you have to be aware of that. You know, and I thought that was just a a, a poor choice there where it's just like it, situationally, 
where you are in the season, where you are in that game, like you just have to get that exhale. And I know that's been your identity, but sometimes you just got to give that up, man. And you've got to, you got to take that three score lead. And then the 49ers are like, oh man, like not only did we settle for a field goal, but then they matched our field goal and the pressure, it just mounts on them as opposed to basically opening the window and then allowing basically misfortune to board the train with you. And then at that point, you know, you just know, I mean, we've lived it with the Cubs for, for generations where you're just like, man, you cannot give yourself a chance to start thinking about the things that can go wrong because then all of a sudden they will. Ooh, misfortune boarding the train. For some reason, my <laughs> mind goes to the the Hogwarts train pulling up and the Dementors with you know, the frost on the yeah. windows and here comes misfortune. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> and, and I'm just wondering if, like, the night before a game, and every coach has a consigliere, every coach, sometimes – it's your assistant, sometimes it's your your wife or someone close to you. I just wonder if anybody near Dan Campbell, when he's like Dave wants that the night before a game would take a cigar and he'd walk around the hotel and he would he would let off all this nervous energy and he'd grab anybody near him to talk, to, to bounce things off of. Right. And, and I wonder if anybody close to Campbell before the game said, hey, man, this is the biggest day of your life tomorrow. You know, you, you don't you don't have to be the cartoon version of yourself strategically. Well, what's, you know? what's hard about it is the, the, the way that team came out, you know what I mean? Like you, right. you feel, you feel the juice that that team plays with. And so, so that's, that's where the balance gets hard because they, they, they were dominating that game in the first half, absolutely dominating it. And you're like, wow, like this team is truly prepared for this. They're, they're truly ready, but there's a, a point where a switch has to flip and you just have to understand where you're at and, and, and what the situation of the game is. And that, that particular one, um, obviously the one later where you have the chance to tie the game is, is probably equally uh, disappointing, but that, that, <laughs> that, that, that first one of the second half, it just, it just felt like that was everything that the 49ers needed to believe that they could come back and win that game. Which which team did the Bears allow to come back that said the same? Was it Detroit? Detroit, yeah. It was it the Detroit, Detroit where they were like, "Oh yeah. yeah, when yep. when when they kicked the field goal, we knew that it was it was Yaha time. We were ready to go." Right, right, yeah. And so that that's part of this game, you know. It's the momentum and it's it's knowing how to manage it. And again, like I just think you have to have that savvy to know uh, when your team just needs to 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 settle for a tie and that back to back possessions. Just take the three to three tie and move on and continue to manage the game from there. Brock Purdy was kind of looking like a guy that was maybe going to get replaced for a big chunk of that game. And then he turned it on, like not in the game, but I mean, overall, then he turned it on in the second half, did a lot of good things with his feet. I, what I've said to Dan, Dan is that I think that Brock Purdy, like in every category of quarterbacking, his grade is a B. Sure. And you can live with that. If you have a talent like surrounding him and he does, I, I was very happy for him that he had an opportunity to make some plays and he made them. Right. And and that's that's the sport, you know, and, you know, at the end of the year, when I kind of wrote the, the thing on the Bears quarterback situation and talked to people around the league about Justin's fourth quarter struggles, there's a lot of people that say, like, you can play bad for two and a half, three quarters if you can find it in the end. And it's it's that find it mentality that 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 toughness to stay in there the ability to uh reset and just make those game on the line plays when they're there for you and and Purdy did that two weeks in a row didn't play very well against the Packers either 
you know, your season's at the edge of a cliff and someone's ready to push you off. And all of a sudden you get your nails in there and you claw and you get yourself back up and then you make uh, the plays that help you survive. And that's, that's what this league is uh, during the regular season and, and three times as much during the postseason. And so now uh, this young quarterback gets a chance to go play in the Super Bowl against one of the best to ever play the position uh, in history. And so it'll be fun to, to, to watch that two weeks from now. It's just amazing the thin lines that the fact, you know, Kendall Vildor makes mm, that right. play, it changes the arc of his career. And and here's that's 50 yards of his total. And the fact that it wasn't an interception at that point in the game. And then later in the game, he makes one of the dumbest throws I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's one of the dumbest throws I've ever seen. You're you're going the opposite way across your body, middle of the field lollipop right. in a championship game at home. And well, you got it. You got to know when you're making that throw. You're talking about to Jennings, right? That Jennings goes doing? up and yeah, <laughs> and, but, but that's and goes and gets it. It's dangerous, and yeah, and, and you, yeah. I mean, that's that's another thin line. Stupid. There. It's right. it's not just like that. That is a throw where Tim Jennings or any of these quarterback coaches that we talk to they'll crush you for they'll it. They'll crush, crush you for it. Crush you. They will tell a young quarterback never, ever, 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 no matter what, make that throw. Yeah. Um, and, and you go back to the first one that you're talking about. And like, not only was that not an interception, but like, what about Brandon Ayuk <laughs> having the concentration? That's incredible. That it's play? amazing. Yeah. Did we, you know I, what I mean? I think it, we saw three really incredible, like concentration plays that play the Lamar Jackson one where he's like, Oh bleep. I can catch this ball that I just threw and, and he catches it. And then the Travis Kelsey catch where it's like, how did you do? Like, how did you make that? catch in that moment like that's a when you're talking about like the I biggest moment i thought the touchdown catch alone was spectacular yeah. the fact yeah. that that a quarterback knew he could throw it that low and make him turn and be confident <laughs> that he'd catch it come on it's it's magic and you know there were two lamar magic plays the one where he catches his own uh batted pass that's a, a beautiful one his first touchdown or his only touchdown yesterday another one where he just escapes pressure and then uh keeps his eyes where they need to be and throws a dart and, and you're like okay right you know right away you're seeing the magic of stars on the playoff stage and it's it's why this sport is the drug that it is because you can sit there for an entire Sunday and, and <laughs> go to bed being like man like that was fun today you know and I felt like that was uh true yesterday for sure at first glance, what do you think when you look at this matchup that's now in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I haven't looked at it close enough. I feel like I give this answer almost annually now where it's like it, it, it's San Francisco feels like the more complete team, but like betting against Mahomes at this point is stupid. It's, yeah. it, it's you know, and so I'll, I'll look at it a little bit more as this week goes on and try to figure out what's what's in there. Um, but it's just, you know, it's the Jordan factor where you're just like, okay, that guy, that guy knows how to win. And, and like, in, in the end, that may be all that matters in a game like this. And so um, we'll see which direction it goes. Obviously that the 49ers had them uh, against the ropes four years ago. And, and <laughs> the, the first bit of Mahomes magic crept in and now, uh, now they've got to figure out a way to, to find an answer for that again. What do you think of the new DC that the bears have? Yeah, uh, so I'm glad you asked me that because there, I, I had a chance over the weekend to reach out to some folks that that know Eric well, and I was um, surprised and impressed by the feedback I got back from from people that have worked very closely with him and and think that this is a really good addition for the Bears. The one question that was brought up to me from someone that knows him well is is I don't know how he'll do calling plays, and I said, well, here's the good news: he he won't have to call plays. 
Um, and so there's a, a sense that, that this is a guy that, that is very, uh, he was described to me as a, a, a military type personality, but, but a guy who is really, really good at connecting with his players and getting the teaching across. And so you see development with the guys that he works with and, and, and the guys that he works with. Now in the coordinator role, uh, I was also told that, that he has an aggression to him that within this scheme can bring out things that this Bears defense can, particularly with the personnel that they currently have, could get dangerous. And so I think that there, there's some, some positivity around the league about how he will complement Matt and, and be able to bring out the best in this group of, of defenders. And so, um, yeah, I was, I was uh, again, surprised and impressed to hear some of the things that, that people who have worked closely with them had to say. As we were talking about this hire, I, since you're around the team every day, I, I'd love to get your opinion on it. Do you think that Matt Eberflus found a connection with his team through play calling that maybe he didn't have when he was just the CEO head coach? I would say that I think he may be, this, I don't mean this to sound overly vague, but I think he may have found a connection with himself, you know, and, and we all sort of in moments of crisis tend to gravitate toward what we do best <laughs> and try to use that as, as something that, that helps get us back on track. And I think that's kind of what that was for Matt last year as he kind of rediscovered his connection to um, the in-game mechanics of things and, and found a way to, to get his fingerprints on things. And I think it, it just brought out a little more of that juice that you needed at the time that you needed it. And so um, I think he rekindled kind of that, that passion he has for that part of the job. And now you obviously have to adjust because we talked a lot last year about the things that you aren't able to fully oversee when you're fully invested in calling the plays defensively. And they're going to have to find the adjustments to make that work in 2024. And, and hopefully Eric Washington is a guy that can help him do that. Hopefully there's some tweaks with other things that they do um, because look like you also are bringing in a new offensive coordinator. You also, at this point, we don't know who's playing quarterback for you. You're going to have to have involvement on that side of the ball, there's a lot of newness over there. And so you better be able to still work your way around that room as well and work your way around that part of the game on Sundays. And and, and so Matt's going to have to figure out how that's going to work. Oh, Dan, we know who's playing quarterback next year. I saw a video the, the team put out, <laughs> and it, we'll let me know, we'll, it let me know exactly who's going to be because why would you do that other than you've done it every year? We'll get uh, to that. That tells me. I was going to say, I, when are you getting to that? Because I may need to listen to that, to that segment. One o'clock. We'll, we'll right, get there I, at one. But, but I'm going to be in. I'm going to be in some Tribune training, so I'll, I'll catch that the on the Tribune podcast this afternoon. Training. Well, let, let, me, let me ask you this though: Is this overly reductive? I think the answer is yes, but I think we're going to get a lot of this in in the next couple of weeks. That, or is it one week this year or two weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks. Two. That. Two. On the one hand. Here's a Super Bowl participant with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh -huh. And you have a responsibility as a franchise to constantly try to find someone who might be great. One of the a difference maker, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You must keep trying. And across the field from him is Mr. Irrelevant on a team with all kinds of weapons on both sides of the ball. And here is a distillation of a choice the, the Bears are going to make, regardless of whatever the outcome is of this game. Just being at this point is sort of presenting your, your stark options. Is, is that reasonable, or did I just write two weeks' worth of everybody's columns? 
yeah, if you want to uh, transcribe that and send it to me, I'll get it in the, <laughs> in the paper here in the next 10 days. And save me a little work. But no, I mean, I think I think there's something to that. And, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Now, I think like the the most reliable path to sustainable success is having that that great quarterback who just holds the window open. And, and I said to Danny on Friday, like you're not trying to squeeze through a window that's closing on you you just get a guy that just is like that sturdy rod that just holds the window open for as long as he wants to to play and so that's what you're striving for i think that's what most teams in the league are 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 trying to find and that's why this becomes an annual exercise and people making the gambles on that because without that you have a much more difficult path to having sustainable success to having the multiple swings at this and i think that you know like i hear some arguments right now uh in the public discourse about trying to find, you know, your, your, your chance to strike soon. And it's not all about striking soon. It's about striking for as long of a period of time as possible. If you want to strike soon, there's a lot of different ways to go about that. If you want to try to strike for the rest of the 2020s and into the 2030s, then you've got to take that, that swing at, at finding a quarterback who holds that window open. And that's why the bears are in such a, a fascinating place here this off season. Dan, thanks for the time. Good luck with your training. Yeah, and good luck uh, writing my column for me, Dan. I, I, I can't I wait to know, get I didn't, it. No, I didn't mean anything by that. I was just <laughs> no, no, no. I, no I'm serious. I, generically. I, I, no, I, I, I'm, I'll be happy to take it. But no, like good, good discussion, and uh, I can't wait to hear the one o'clock segment. That's Dan Weederer, and I picture, hey I picture Tribune training, like doing the crawl under barbed wire. <laughs> they, they have to go, you know, they have to go up and over the, all the obstacles. This is what it's like to book an airplane flight. Gentlemen, you've signed up for Tribune training. Many of you will not make it through. <laughs> Many of you will ring the bell. I went over to Look the to Tribune your Tower. Look to your right. One of you will not be here at the end of this training. <laughs> it's condos now. That's your first piece of training. First piece of how to survive ownership by private equity. Yeah. So say we all. Right, man. Hey, they're they're so but for the say we all. Of good fortune. You know what? We should we should we should have taken uh we should have taken umbrage with Dan Weeder in the Tribune. Why? Why we got to be the face of that? Why you and I got to be the face of that? You know, it's a story about the company. It, right. It's just me and you. <laughs> right. What did we do? We didn't do nothing. <laughs> Bernstein and Holmes Sink Odyssey Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> Due to rampant corruption and incompetence. It's like, like, all right. Our numbers are great. We're doing <laughs> fine. What, what we do? Why we got to be the face of it. Go to some of these crappy markets where nobody can sell anything. Go there. Put Rick Gregg's face on, on the Tribune paper. Put, I'll just do that. Put Joe Bartosh on there, maybe. Pick on Why's it got to be us? Right. We didn't do anything. Damn it. You calling out, <laughs> out Rick Gregg for no reason? Just no reason. Just because I love him. I know. Awesome. Just because I love him. All right. This this next segment's all you. Okay. When we come back, I I want to talk about understanding better why people are starting to dislike the Chiefs. Too vaccinated. Well, government psyop. Well, the, it's not any of that stuff, but there is stuff that they that they do that I was like, mm, I get it. We'll discuss next on the score. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This game is over, and you can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs being the AFC champions for the fourth time in five seasons. The Chiefs have the Lamar Hunt trophy, and they're taking it to Vegas for Super Bowl 58. I thought it was a nice moment where Patrick Mahomes was saying, look, how important this particular trophy is to our franchise. And, of course, considering the patch this on our chest this year, like we wanted to win the trophy and go back to the Super Bowl. Six straight years of being in the, the AFC title game. You have four out of the last six years. They end up in the Super Bowl. So congratulations to Kansas City for what is clearly a dynasty in the NFL and having the best quarterback in the league. It's interesting to me to see Patrick Mahomes is now like lived long enough to become the, the villain. And that's a, a great line where you live long enough to be the hero. you live long enough to become a villain. I think that he's there. I still really like Patrick Mahomes. And I think the quarterback show that was on prime helped me with that. Because I always kind of liked him anyway, but seeing his day in and day out, like what he does to prepare himself and his teammates, like kind of what he's like, I'm like, oh, I dig that guy. Like he works really hard and he's great. Like having those two things together is awesome. There's always going to be fatigue when there's greatness. We saw it from the other side of this during the 90s. People hated Michael Jordan. If you lived in Indianapolis or you lived New in New York, York or Atlanta or Boston or Los Angeles, you hated we Michael Jordan. We saw MVP voters admit they were just tired of naming the best player the best player. Which is whack. But <laughs> Yeah, that's one word for it. But I get that. I get that there's going to be the inherent hatred of it. I do think the Chiefs have leaned in a a little harder than maybe they should over this season. Uh, A texter brought it up, and they're right. Like, and you had a visceral reaction to it: the whining on the offsides call. You a player lined up offsides just because Travis Kelsey made an incredible play didn't mean that the that you shouldn't call the penalty that was already called before he made the incredible play. Even Patrick Mahomes' reaction where 
he's meeting Josh Allen at the middle of the field. And Josh Allen is like, why are you telling me about how bad the refereeing was in this game? Like, that's not usually how those conversations go where Patrick Mahomes, oh, worst call I've ever seen in my life. And Josh Allen's like, okay, guy, whatever. Then you had the stuff that was going on yesterday. I don't know if people saw, but Justin Tucker was basically being bullied by Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. They threw his helmet. They threw his kicking tee as, as he was working out. Now, this is just kind of the Neanderthal in me. Justin Tucker himself is a tough I'm guy. I'm young, I'm wild, and I'm free. Got the magic power Ooh. of Neanderthal in me. I would have been like, Sorry, I'll, be, I'll be right back. And I would have called a couple of my teammates over. Like, you're not just going to push me out of this. Is my, this is my stadium. I'm, I am going to the Hall of Fame, too. I might be the greatest kicker who's all, uh, ever kicked. But I'd be like, I'll be right back. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Roquan. Can you guys help me out with something over here? Got a little something going on over here. That's, that's what I would have done. Because I, I thought it was, it was just kind of like, they and even inside of the game where Kelsey does a great job of baiting Van Oy into pushing him and he draws the flag. But the bleep-eating grin. I got you. Hey. Yep. So I, I see why people would be like, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of tired of them. Okay. I mean, for me, it's more the overall weight of chiefsness. That it's just, you can't escape it. Whether it's Pat Mahomes Sr. and his cigar after the game. Oh, I'm all for that. And it just been, he was tailgating yesterday, or too. The, or the State Farm commercials. Like, there is... Nuggies. There, there, which is funny. It's hilarious. It, it's less hilarious the 15th time, I'll say. There's something to that. But I, I do enjoy the fact that there are still people who... Uh, there are conspiracy theorists who are either. And you saw the CBS like TV crew was being screamed at by some fan at the train station yelling conspiracy I didn't see, theories. At I didn't him. see that. Yeah, like also the league is rigged. Like they, they almost came to blows. Boomer Sison was talking about it. I think on on the fan this morning. It was wild. Really? Yeah. But, but the, well, the conspiracy was that that it was going to be Baltimore and San Francisco. I, I I can't keep track of which conspiracy everybody has, but now you you turn on Newsmax and Taylor Swift is a psyop. Because, she is, yeah, because she's urging people to vote, and that Travis Kelsey was urging people to be vaccinated, and it's all fixed because the deep state is engaging in the psychological warfare. I I so. I have no clue what all of it is. But, I saw but, someone say that the the right needs their own Taylor Swift, and it should be Lauren Boebert. And I was like, I don't know. It's Ted Nugent, isn't it? Well, it's, it can't be Ted Nugent because he's not young. But Lauren Boebert is 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 a member of Congress. She's not a singer that she, sells out stadiums. And she also just finished fifth in the straw poll in her own district that she bailed to because she was going to lose her election yeah so i don't what do they I don't, that i don't i don't I don't, weird, I don't understand it i i, I that i don't there, get i'm all. sure that there are, plenty there are plenty of, of conservative let, let big and rich be yes. your version of taylor there's, swift there's it's fine of, ted nugent is that meatloaf you know all of the, he's dead though right 
R.I.P. Louis Anderson. R.I.P. Louis Anderson, right, because Meatloaf was one of those guys. So wait. Go ahead. Wait. Find find whoever you want. Fight Club. R.I.P. Louis Anderson. <laughs> wait. <laughs> that'll that'll never not be funny. That's that's right there, Sack Machine. <laughs> I did, Sack it, machine. I, did, I did it again. I, I got, we were walking down the hall in the hotel, and just out of nowhere, I, I stopped. I, I pointed, and Jason's right next to me. And I said, Ice machine. You're an idiot. <laughs> double, double machine. I, I get that, like, the. Did you... we get one yesterday? Did we go at Christian McCaffrey? Yes. Touchdown <laughs> machine. Touchdown You're right. Touchdown machine. The ubiquitous nature of the celebrities that are the Kansas City Chiefs. I get that that would push people to not wanting them to win. The Taylor Swift thing to me is like, I think it ends up being great for everybody. Of course it is, because she's awesome. I just, I don't understand the not liking Taylor Swift. I, I understand the not liking I Taylor don't. Swift what's, what's not likable? There's a lot. What? I don't want to get into it. What? What's not likable? They shouldn't show chicks during football, bro. Come on, bro. I'm trying to watch the game with my guys. You keep showing this chick. You know what's crazy is that Travis Kelsey is the most likely person to be saying stuff like that. And yet he is the bro. But but he's dating her. Right. Just get bent, dumbasses. Like, come on. I I just, I, I don't, I don't. I don't understand why. Why wouldn't someone like Taylor Swift? Her music is great. I just laid it out for you, Dan. and she's a terrific person. I just laid it out for you. That's why. There, there's. I mean, there's I, a lot of layers there, to it. There doesn't but. seem to be anything like wrong with her. She seems to be very generous with her money and time, but there, there is a level of of privilege that is at work with her that she's been able to get away with a lot of things that she's done in her life and her career that perhaps others wouldn't be allowed to get away with. Well, like be able okay. to switch over from genres like no, that. Jo- genre, I actually really respect the genre switching that occurred because that seemed to happen fairly naturally. But you know, there, there are things that she supposedly represents that for a while she was clearly not representing by the people that she was dating. Stuff like that. Okay. You know? But I don't want to get into a referendum on Taylor Swift because to me she's not a problem. Like, right. she doesn't make, in my eyes, she doesn't make the 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 Chiefs unlikable. Didn't people get incredibly sick of the '85 Bears after in the with all the advertising and everything in the aftermath? Yes. So yes, they they got sick of the the team that did a a rap video before the Super Bowl called the Super Bowl Shuffle uh, more than a month before. Yeah. But Kevin Warren wants to win with humility. Oh, here you go. With grace and class and humility. <laughs> here you go. Ridiculous. 40 years ago. Ridiculous. Bears. Win NFL games with grace, class, and humility. But, no thank you. But I, I just thought that, that seeing Patrick and Travis out there acting like bullies at the beach with Justin Tucker was... Uh, I thought that was kind of low rent Let me them. ask you something. Do they know him? Like, are they friends? Are you saying it was playful? I'm saying it changes the dynamic if there if there's a relationship there. No, I'm like, I mean, they, they moved your team. <laughs> no, I don't think that's you know? what it was. It felt like Alabama walking the sidelines of Michigan before the game. Now it worked out in Kansas City's favor. I thought that they did a good job of 
making Baltimore do dumb stuff. Like they did a great job of that. And the personal foul penalties were a part of it, uh, a part of why they were winning. But that's not what it felt. It didn't felt it didn't feel like it didn't feel like like him and Josh Allen. You know what I mean? Where those guys are clearly close and they're like playing around. It, this felt like get this dumb kicker out of here. It, it, and, and like at like the a crib. super football yeah. Uh, yeah. And like at the crib. Like this is this is the house that Justin Tucker built. Well, and they almost there was almost a fight before the game, too. There was like a little scrum before the game. Yes. Kicker fights. I, I, hey. I mean, I'd probably take Justin Tucker in most kicker fights. Hell yeah. He could challenge her to a sing-off. Yes. And then, then they're all going to be vanquished. So this texture tries to explain. He said, one of the reasons people don't like Taylor Swift for, in this case is they're predicting this Super Bowl ticket is going to be one of the hardest Super Bowl tickets to get. That's not why they don't Because like of all the Swifties, Swift. they're going to pay to go. Oh, my. If, That's a if, reach. Okay. If those people are complaining about the pre- – those people don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out. Get out of and here. And they're worried about the price of a Super Bowl ticket? Come on. They poured all their money into their Oxycontin. They're not worried about uh-huh. a Super Bowl ticket. I'm not sure that we should be blaming victims here, Dan. They, but more than likely, the people who could afford not only to make the trip to Las Vegas and to pay for a ticket for this please. Super Bowl. All of a sudden, that certain group is now priced out of a Super Bowl ticket? That, that's a terrible text. There's no way. That's why they're mad. Oh, wait a second. Now, Mima and Peepaw can't come with us to the Super Bowl. Well, they probably weren't coming with you anyway. <laughs> they did. Well, they, I don't know if they're dead. They, yeah, they are. They're, they're probably fine. No, they, 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 they died of horrible, curable diseases they because don't, they didn't don't know get that. vaccinated. You don't know that. Everything's fine. I don't think that's the issue here. I, I do think that any time that there's someone who, is in your face. And I don't mean that she's like in your face, like suck it. Like, I mean, because doing she, the crotch chop. Yeah. I, but, but who do you think you are? I am. I am. There, there is a tendency to tire of those people. Of course. Of course. It's natural to feel like when something becomes ubiquitous, it becomes annoying after a while. Yes. But, but I'm trying to deal with the concrete stuff of, there was there was a level of privilege with Patrick Mahomes, and honestly, there were a lot of calls that were made in that game yesterday. Where you like, wait a minute, you made this call for them, but you didn't make this call. There were a couple of non-PI calls that for Baltimore that weren't called, including that pick in the end zone. Right, and actually, they go to Sterator and he or was it Blandino? I got to mix up. That where they said Sterator. Blandino's Fox, right? Yeah, Steratore right. CBS. So it was Steratore. Blandino is Fox. And he, I believe he said it was, a, it was behind the play. I didn't quite suss out his logic for the non-call. Yeah. It seemed like he, he sort of felt it was a good non-call, but then couldn't exactly explain why he felt it was. Yep. So, I mean, there, there has been a lot of we're entitled. And look, they have been crushing it as an organization. I get why they feel entitled, but whenever people see folks that look entitled, for the most part, they go, why is that person getting this and we're not? Sometimes they really like it. Sometimes they don't. Most of the time, like, personally, you don't. But sometimes people really like it. A lot. High Noon is coming up next. I have a... 
historic discovery that just it's news that just broke that's a huge deal and I'll tell you what no one's talking about. I have a Super Bowl conversation that needed to happen earlier. It's next. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 the score. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the palace alone. Yeah, right. When? High noon? Time for High Noon, where the first thing we do is tell you what we've been talking about. Reacting to two really exciting games on a fun day of sports yesterday. Talking about Dan Campbell being who he was in the moment. It's true, you can't can't accuse him of being something he's not. He's definitely not a phony. And it may have been his downfall. And he's got to live with that. And maybe adjust from it. Maybe. Maybe he'll learn and, and reconcile it because and, and I don't I don't think he's 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 going to try not to learn from it. I don't think he's that stubborn. We also talked about Eric Washington. Who's Eric Washington and why are you talking about him? He's the defensive coordinator of the Bears. And he's a football lifer guy. Dan Wiederer had some thoughts on him as well. We also discussed the idea that this Super Bowl matchup, here you have all-time great quarterback and you have definitely not an all-time great quarterback who they've built up around what do the bears learn what lessons do they learn regardless of the outcome um and lawrence is finding he's starting to learn the ways of the chief's unlikability it's time so you remember back in super bowl 49 it looked like the seahawks were ready to beat the Patriots. They were knocking on the doorstep, and then instead of giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch, they passed the ball, and then Malcolm Butler came with an incredible interception. And it's it it kind of helped define that era of Legion of Boom because you know there were a lot of people who thought, well, it was to, because Russell Wilson wanted to be the star and all this other stuff. Pete Carroll went on with Richard Sherman and he talked him through what the decision making was in that moment. It's good stuff. You know, you guys are so mad at me and so pissed. <laughs> Hurt. I'm going to just tell you again. You guys didn't, you guys couldn't hear it for years, but when we got down there, I think we had one, if I remember, we had one timeout. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as we got there, I said, one of these plays, we're going to have to throw it to get all four plays. Right. You know, regardless of what the first, second, third play was, let's make sure that we get all of our shots. And so we were smart about that. We run the first play. And I think, I think what happened is Bill, late, he sends in the goal line team. Mm-hmm. Which is, well, this may be our, if we got to throw one of these downs, you know, which this we practiced a million times, you know, we're in that situation. We got to throw one of these downs. Let's pick it out, which is the right, you know, whatever. It'll fall into place so that we get all our chances. Right. There was no agenda. There was none of that. It was just the way we had prepared. Mm-hmm. It just, it right. just was the worst play that could ever happen, you know? <laughs> and so then we, what we going to, you know, and I, if you remember my moment was I've been down and think, Oh, I got to take this. You know, and so I'm, I'm this is I thought this is the one of those moments that you prepare for. You got to be the epitome of poise, handle it, deal with it and own it because there's, there's nothing you can say that's going to put it any other place. It was just as catastrophic as any moment could be. I think it's a great explanation by Pete Carroll. We knew that because of the clock situation, we were going to have to throw it at some point. Therefore. We threw it. See, now, that gets back to the Dan Campbell conversation. It sounds like he's thought a 
lot of them. There, I mean, it became such a huge conversation. It's completely colored Russell Wilson's career because people feel like that's one of the places where there became a schism between him and the guys on defense and the guys on defense are team Marshawn because run the ball, complimentary football, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I appreciate Pete Carroll kind of walking Richard Sherman through this. And maybe at a time when Richard can more fully hear him. Maybe only I think this is a big deal, but a pilot and explorer who embarked on an $11 million expedition at sea believes he has solved one of the world's greatest mysteries, the final resting place of Amelia Earhart's plane. Oh. That vanished in 1937. This is from NBC News. Tony Romeo, not Tony Romo. I found a plane, Jim. Here we go. Here we go. I got a plane. Is this name, is this middle name, is it Romeo or is it Romero? Tony Romeo is a former U.S. Air Force intelligence officer and CEO of Deep Sea Vision. He sold commercial real estate to fund his deep sea exploration of the Pacific Ocean last year combing the ocean floor with sonar technology in the suspected area of Earhart's crash. His team reviewed sonar data in December, caught by an underwater drone from his voyage, and found a startling image. A blurry, plane-like shape, Romeo believes is Earhart's twin-engine Lockheed 10E Electra. The image was taken about 100 miles from Howland Island, halfway between Australia and Hawaii, Earhart and her navigator, Fred Noonan, were expected to land there in July of 1937 for a refueling stop and her bid to be the first female pilot to circumnavigate the globe, but never made it. She was declared dead two years later after the U.S. concluded she'd crashed somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Her remains were never found. Romeo believes the image, while blurry, is Earhart's aircraft given its unique shape. And the pictures are here, and he has posted them. On, I believe his Instagram at deep.c.vision. Deep fake. And he said, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me that's anything but an aircraft for one, and two, that it's not Amelia's aircraft. That's what he said today on the Today Show. There's no other known crashes in the area, and certainly not of that era in that kind of design with the tail that you see clearly in the image. So his team is going to return to the site later this year with a camera and a remote-operated vehicle to snap better images. The next step is confirmation. There's a lot we need to know. It looks like there's some damage sitting there for 87 years at this point. And he said the drone that they used was manufactured by a Norwegian company, and it's going to take a lot more money and resources to go back and do it. But this is a major step, and it, it, it looks like an airplane. Okay. Get James Cameron on it. He's got all the deep sea vehicles and whatnot. Yeah, he's not spending money for let this guy raise his own money. Well, James Cameron could give him the money and then make a movie out of it. Yeah, you could give him the money. Yeah, he can give him money for the some ownership of the company, maybe. Go down there and then get it, and then we got Avatar Four. Anthony Heron is here and ready to go for Amelia. And Anthony Heron is going to join us next on the score. 
Anthony Heron, score football analyst. You know what? Brad Pitt, you're a good actor. You're a movie star. You're more of a movie star than a great actor. And that's okay, because you're in really good movies and I enjoy them. Former NFL defensive lineman and Iowa Hawkeye. And as long as that ends up being the case, hey, Bishop, I'm still on the radio. No, it's all right. He can hang. Paw Patrol. I need another Paw Patrol. Okay, I'm going to come turn <laughs> yeah, it on in just yeah, a couple of moments, all right? Big and Heron. Mr. Hedden, I want to compliment you. You're doing a fine job. With Bernstein and Holmes on the score. This hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids, and Anthony Heron is here in studio on the Bernstein and Holmes show here on this post-championship Sunday football Monday. Hello, sir. Hello, sirs. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the the football calendar is starting to to dissipate a bit. We got less on field collisions remaining. Oh, know. the Pro Bowl will have plenty of them. The Pro Bowl games now, yeah. Yeah, but now now yeah. you get to spend more time with your family. They actually, I do. You can actually remember what it's like mm-hmm. to have you around. Right? Yeah, me me conscious uh, is is it takes a couple of weeks. The way my body clock ends up working, it takes a couple of weeks for me to get kind of fully re-energized after my football calendar. But yeah, then they. They get the, the full scope of my attention span, which they normally don't for about half the year. But soon you'll be senior bowl and combine man. <laughs> There's going to be plenty of that going on. I mean, that, that part of the year ends up being fun because whether it's the, the high school players going the collegiate route, or co- collegiate players going the NFL route, just kind of evaluating what's what and who's, you know, who projects at, at a certain status on their way in. None of us know and none of us have any idea for sure, but trying to make these educated guesses along the way for who who's the least likely to completely you know just sort of you know vomit all over themselves when they get to the professional level because it happens a lot guys end up vomiting over themselves a bit look you're the pro you tell us who was out of line kelsey and mahomes or justin tucker <laughs> so the the way the the timing pregame ends up working is that usually the the, the away team is usually allowed to to come out first and they get the full field beforehand and then after whatever it is, um, you know, the timing format, it escapes my brain a little bit. But I think it's usually how you get the full field yourself for like 15 minutes, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, something like that. And then you got to split the field in half. So then it gets to a certain point where, yes, there are times I saw some of the social media reaction where it's like, yeah, the kickers get to kick at both ends of the field. And that's true. But there is a timing for when they are allowed to have access to the full field. And then after I think it's like whatever, 12 minutes or 15 minutes or something, where then the other team gets to come out of the locker room, and then you're supposed to split the field in half. So, you know, the Chiefs were supposed to have half the field. Ravens supposed to have half the field. And sometimes players will come out individually and kind of do their own unique warm-ups. But the fact that it was, yes, it was Mahomes and Kelsey, but a whole lot of other Chiefs bodies out there, I don't know exactly when the video was taken. I think it was Palacero had the full video that everybody kind of was aggregating everywhere. But my impression is that was during the Chiefs' warm-up time on their half of the field, and then when the team who gets to come out first, then they leave, and then the team who only had half the field, they get the full field for like the final, whatever, 10, 12 minutes or something like that. So there are specified times where you get the full field, you get half the field, then somebody else gets the full field again. I think the kicker was in the wrong. And so, I, you know, okay. that, that's my impression. Like he, was, he was out of pocket, and whether or not he was still allowed to be there, because I saw a bunch of Chiefs out there. I don't think it was just like the two stars picking on the kicker. My impression was – Again, I don't know exactly when the video was taken, what timing it was. My impression seeing it, though, 
the kicker wasn't supposed to be on that half of the field anymore, so and maybe, he decided not to get out of the way. So maybe he was playing mind games with them. Right. That this was my impression. reminds yeah. me of Giannis and the ladder. It reminds me of the college teams that link arms and sweep the field. <laughs> they they, they line up so across. College, where, where the yeah. whole point is just uh, to mark your territory. Right. Like Warren Sapp used to run through pregame warm-ups like the other team would already be out there warming up. Here comes Warren Sapp just bounding through the warm-ups, bumping into people pregame all the time. It was kind of his thing. And I've a seen number of baseball, scuffles broke like, out. Even like in youth baseball, it's like, it's our turn to take infield. Uh, You've taken your infield. Well, you're not the home team. Yeah. And the tournament rules are this. It's all remember and, and Robbie Gold also, before games, had a unique warm-up, and I forgot which side of the field he'd be on. Where he tried to kick the the uh from the side. Yeah, he would try to kick the the post. From the side of him, right. He that was like to. the last thing that he <laughs> yes, did. That he couldn't go back into the locker room until he he was able to to hit the post from actually the side of the goalpost. So I mean, I know. you know, it's there's a very specific timing script for who's allowed to be where. My impression, looking at it, is that. Baltimore's kicker was, was on the end of the field he wasn't supposed to be on anymore. And they're trying to warm up. You know, Mahomes trying not to step on his helmet or whatever. But you got some dude just leaving his helmet there, leaving his tee and his football's there while your quarterback's dropping back. I mean, Patrick Mahomes turns an ankle before the AFC title game because the opposing kicker is leaving his helmet on the ground when he's not supposed to. I think the, the perception of that moment would have been very different. We just we haven't heard all the specificity of it because there was a cool game to react to afterwards. So folks haven't really gotten into the minutiae of it. My impression looking at it is that uh, Tucker was the one who was who was out of pocket there because I don't. It looked like he was on the end of the field. He was no longer supposed to be on. Well, speaking of pockets, why did Baltimore keep Lamar in the pocket instead of <laughs> using him to move the pocket? Or I don't know, run. Yeah, I mean, just run him, run your backs, run the ball. It's it's odd, and we see it. We've talked about it in this town quite a bit. You get into a big moment in a big game, and here's your offensive play caller who just decides that he he sort of gets swept up in the moment. I think that's what we saw with Baltimore. Yes, Lamar Jackson has certainly developed to the point where he is a beyond competent pocket passer. But the way that Baltimore is able to dictate terms to the opponents is is generated partially off of his mobility, whether it is calling him into movement, whether it's counting on his scrambling ability, whether it is calling true QB runs with him, and they, they just lost that aspect of their offense. And it seemed to me that because Kansas City came out and the Ravens hadn't experienced this season, a team coming out and having, like, legit offensive success early. Now, they got it figured out. Not just any team. And it, because it was the Chiefs. Mm. And that's why what Wiederer just said, he goes, it became a belief game. Hmm. And the, despite the fact that the Ravens are probably better, they, they almost forgot they were better. Yeah. Yeah, and and the Chiefs once it be, he said once it became a belief game, the Chiefs uh, like, all right, you want to do that? Yeah, we can do that. Right, and it was you know Baltimore's looking across the sideline, they're seeing that guy with that pass catcher and that offense, and they they got rolling early. So, oh, we have to keep up with them as opposed to we have to run our offense and and come in in the way that our game plan dictates gives us the best chance at success. And you know, I, I went into the game thinking, yeah, it's going to be a tough one to call, but I feel like. Baltimore, me and my wife had this conversation right before the game. So, all right, who you got? Like, uh, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is obviously amazing. And Travis Kelsey is still amazing. And this is the best defense that Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes have ever gone into a postseason run with. 
But still, it feels like Baltimore's year, and and yet still it just didn't end up working out like that because Baltimore, you know, they had about a bunch of unforced errors with penalties, and the offensive game plan just didn't seem to stay within the framework of how they've had so much success this season. It's, oh, they're having success. They're moving the ball. They're throwing the rock. Here we go. We got to keep up with them as opposed to just being who you are at your best. The timing and the effectiveness of the Chiefs blitzing to me stood out that they were able to really affect the game mm-hmm. that way. And they got home. But they more so than getting home on Lamar, I thought they messed up the the, the timing of the Ravens' offense. And honestly, like, they've been playing great. Like, the Chiefs' defense has been terrific this year. It hasn't gotten as much love as maybe right. it deserves, but they've been no terrific. Doubt. I was surprised when tasked with, oh, well, okay, well, why don't you screen it, number one. Number two, if you were running the ball more effectively, you wouldn't end up in some of these third and whatevers mm, right. where they could tee off on you and get your quarterback on the ground. To, and as much as anything, even winning second down matters so much. And to put yourself into third and short, that's where Baltimore wasn't having much second down success as the game wore on. And so they end up in these third and longs. And so now because maybe you threw it on first down or you ran it on first down and didn't have much success, then second down goes awry. And you, they were in third and long seemingly so consistently throughout the game that now you, you almost feel like you have to drop back and pass it, even though, you know, we see some teams like in the NFC championship game. We see multiple offenses there who are willing to run on third and medium to third and long and do so with some success there. But for Baltimore, they just they got so out of character because Kansas City moved the rock, punched in touchdowns early, and they just it seemed like Baltimore felt like they were playing from behind. And that Kansas City defense, when you can take the field with a lead, and that hasn't been their superpower this season. So much of Patrick Mahomes' career has been where he hasn't had a truly dominant defense like they've had this season. But the Kansas City offense gives them a lead, and their defense can get aggressive and, and play downhill and just play for takeaways as opposed to really trying to be sound. That hasn't been them throughout so much of this season like we've come accustomed to, but this postseason run and certainly the other day, the offense got them a lead against a Baltimore squad that hasn't been behind very often, and you could just see the way that Kansas City now dictated terms to the Ravens over and over again the rest of the way. Part of me felt bad for Zay Flowers because – there are mistakes that guys make. There are drops. There are mental mistakes. It was a fumble, but he didn't make a mistake. His opponent made a better play. His opponent knocked it away from him. And I don't know what else he could have done mm. while diving to break the plane and then to compound that by smacking the helmet and ripping yeah. his finger open right. afterwards. Right. I just I, I felt bad for him because there's a time and a place where you can say, you know, I, I don't have any sympathy for that guy because he screwed mm. up or he wasn't prepared or he didn't know the play. He just had a guy make a play on him. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you had the 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 penalty prior to that on the same drive as well. It was a lot that compounded mm-hmm. with Zay Flowers in that game. And I think for a young football player, you can kind of chalk a lot of it up to immaturity that you hope he learns from. And I thought from what I heard of him addressing the media after the game, he seemed fairly composed afterwards and in an opportunity for growth from him. But that that moment where where a guy is approaching the end zone, where there there is, and you know, certain coaches will coach it in different ways. Where sometimes, as a ball carrier, whether you're quarterback, receiver, running back, as you're approaching the goal line with several defenders around you, with bodies around you, then some offensive coaches will coach you not to reach the ball across because that risk is there. You know, unless you're at a third down or a fourth down, where reaching the football out 
can be something where you are putting it in harm's way. And yet we see so many highlights. Way. We were the T. Higgins play yeah. where you're like, oh, my God. And all right. you got to do is break the plane. Right. And we see guys running toward the end zone, like uh-huh. waving the ball out in front of them, too. Yeah. And when, when you have so many defenders around you, that's the last-ditch effort that any defender has in that moment because you don't have someone to actually stymie your momentum before you get to the goal line. So all they can do is try to reach out and rake away at the football. And so he does expose the football and put it at risk. But if it's just a millimoment later and it breaks the plane and then comes out, it's a touchdown. So, yeah, it's not a huge boneheaded error, but could he have handled anything a little bit differently and just said, ah, if I keep this one tucked away, I got a chance. But, you know, it, it's it's you're splitting hairs to such a large degree that I don't really fault him very much for it. What did you think of the the plan and execution of Kansas City's offense yesterday? Strangely enough, you know, they only scored 17 points. Mm-hmm. They won the turnover battle 3-0, and they only scored 17. It felt like all of their plays were timely. Yeah. And they seemed to come through when they had to and did just enough. And versus the amount of zone coverage they saw early in the game, especially where that's – that's one of the superpowers between Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, just finding those soft spots in zones. And as Mahomes extends plays to find ways for his tight end, where they, they just got this kind of unadulterated kismet where they just know where each other's going to be and where's the spot that he can try to fit the football into. And so against that zone, the Baltimore was running so frequently early on, then they were just kind of carving them up and being comfortable. And then this is a gear that now, the Chiefs can exploit because they have a defense that can keep the opponent at bay. They don't have to keep the throttle down. They don't have to continue to take chances. They can be more timely with that when you have a defense that plays at the level they play at. And so, you know, yeah, scoring a couple touchdowns early didn't mean like they had to feel like they had to score 30 or 40 points. I really felt like Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, they go in knowing our game plan has to be if we get a chance to strike, we strike. But if not, against that defense, don't beat ourselves. Catch the rock, hit the dirt, complete the pass, take your profit, get yourself into striking distance. When we're there, let's make it count. But when we're not, punting is fine because they have a defense that can do that now. And you think about that Patriots dynasty that, that went through so many different iterations where early on it was mainly defense, defense and run game. And then they began this passing attack and they had more talent. And throughout that entire arc, there were so many different versions of New England's excellence that led to Super Bowls. And I think now, after a couple of Super Bowl trips, we're seeing now this current version of Kansas City that says, you know what, we can be more controlled with how we operate, and they've boned up that defense enough where, you know, it, it doesn't have to be about Mahomes throwing six touchdowns. Big Ann is going to stick around because we haven't even talked about the NFC title game. We're going to ask him about that, especially as a former Lion. We'll get his feelings on all of it next here on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes. I hate being a fan of this team. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. They'll break huddle. They'll be in the victory formation. It's fourth and 11. Purdy is under center. He takes the snap. He backpedals a step. Zeroes on the clock. It's over. The sideline's empty. With the comeback for the ages, the 49ers are going back to the Super Bowl and ripping the heart out of the Lions. Ouch, or you put it that way, Kevin Harlan. You have, it's like those commercials. Well, that was dramatic. <laughs> Strangely enough, though, Dan Campbell said that after the game. Mm. He was like having your heart ripped out. Yeah. He's like he was well, listening to the broadcast. Well, he was himself, and maybe that was a time to 
learn to not be yourself. But if he was going to go out, he was going to go out being Dan Campbell. Doesn't really make it. Was that your takeaway though? Like, did, did you take better. issue with the fourth downs? I, I was. I, I didn't stand up and say that you're wrong mm-hmm. at the time. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I would have reversed all three of them. But I do think that that given the benefit of hindsight, you certainly could say it would have made more sense. You know, I'm. It's some of that second guessing stuff in a league that has so many in a league possible <laughs> these, these these like Kevin qu- Harlan to say that in a league the quantum number of, of mm. outcomes that that can occur it, it's hard to do that but I know that he's Dan Campbell will be kicking himself for and a it's while. why they're here right? right like it's why they got to that point it's why they arrived at that stage him being him and the belief the team has in that. Uh, you know, again, my, my wife was an athlete. She loves sports. We're sitting there watching the games. And in that moment, you know, we, we had that disagreement in that moment of whether or not, the, at least the final fourth down, you know, whether or not that one made sense. As far as my wife, my wife, never questioned Dan Campbell in <laughs> okay. front of her. Really? She wants to date all. Dan Campbell. She okay. just, all right. you know, she was really down. She wants night. someone twice your size with bigger pecs she, than you. <laughs> I mean, she just, she loves ever since Hard Knocks. Okay. She is, she just, because she always watches Hard Knocks. Okay. And this is her first year actually realizing she, she likes football. She's hated football all it's her life long. until she's realized, you know what? Because I found her. She used to kind of half watch. And then she's asking me questions like, what's the difference between defensive holding, pass interference and illegal contact? I'm like, oh, OK. All right. Well, I'm, I'm happy. To I'm glad you asked. And, and, and she is enjoying the Chiefs thing. Yeah. and she, But Dan Campbell's her guy. And okay. she was really sad for him. Yeah, understandably so. And I mean, of course, I played with the Lions. I got a bunch of them on all, you know, Lions Which, emails and text on the Owen 16 team? So I was on the team. I was on the team that <laughs> yes. started 0-12 and then won two out of the last four games. Gotcha. I, okay. I left Detroit by the 0-16 team. Okay. Uh, but, but I have experienced the Lions fans' angst and pain. And I know, I certainly know what that feels like. But I think for for yesterday's game, though, in in knowing who Dan Campbell is, knowing who Detroit has been, and frankly, just knowing kind of modern football sensibilities of analytics and everything else, I, I thought for the most part he handled. I, I thought the the one where where Reynolds had the the drop on, I think it was the middle of the fourth downs. I, I maybe took a little bit of issue with that, but the one at the end of the first half where they kicked the field goal, where you have you have a semblance of control of the game there. And, okay, you kick the field goal as opposed to going for the fourth down. The very last one, a 48-yard field goal. And to me, it's several factors in that decision. One, the makeability of the kick. And, yes, a 48-yarder, you certainly can get that. But at the same time, it's the ability to tie the game there, not take the lead. But then also, San Francisco was rolling so much offensively at that point in the game. They had kind of solved the Lions' defensive puzzle. So even if you tie the game in the fourth quarter, it's still over seven minutes they're getting the rock. They've been moving the ball consistently going into that stage of the game. I don't know that tying the game, even if you make that 48-yarder, I don't think Dan Campbell views like tying the game at that moment as giving them a real advantage with the way San Francisco had begun operating I, offensively there. I wonder if it would have at least broken some momentum, though. Like, to me, the, instead of like compound interest, there was compound mm-hmm. momentum mm-hmm. in them not getting the fourth down. Like yes, San Francisco had been in control, mm. and they're like, "We're still in control." Yeah, you and just you diffuse the energy a little bit, just a just a little I think bit, a and little maybe bit. it changes. Yeah, I think a little bit. Sure, if if it was a thirty-five yard field goal, and he didn't go for that, I would have had a bigger question than a forty-eight yard. The the cost benefit analysis of the potential for 
missing a 48-yarder, giving them that field position that goes with it, and how much do we benefit from hitting a 48-yarder with still, I think it was like oh, well over seven minutes left with in the With a journeyman kicker. Yeah, and they're going to get the ball again anyway. So either way, you're going to have to come up with another stop. Either way, you're going to get the ball back with a chance to win, whether you make or miss that. But the bigger benefit would have been on a fourth and three. And they've made so many fourth downs this season. If you do convert that fourth down, turn that drive into a touchdown, now your defense takes the field with a lead. Their offense is now more on their heels than just a tie game when they've been rolling up to that point. So none of it guarantees you anything. But for me in that moment, thinking about the position Dan Campbell's in in that game where you're not living in the matrix. These aren't just sort of, you know, numbers and pluses and minuses. You're dealing with people here. And what gives us the best the best sort of intangible or momentum benefit? What's our cost-benefit analysis? If we turn this drive into a touchdown, we get more out of that than if we tie it here. And we certainly negate any possibility of momentum if we miss a 48-yarder and they get it with great field positions. I, I think there's a logical case to be made either way. I just I didn't take a big issue with that one, especially at that point in the game with so much time remaining. What did you think was the difference in the two teams in, in the second half of the game? I mean, you know, home field matters, and we don't think of of San Francisco as being this great home field environment. Detroit had a bunch of fans out there, too. You could hear them in mass at various points in the game. But such a deep and talented roster that has been battle-tested as San Francisco, even though they, you know, they haven't all commanded that Super Bowl stage or hoisted the trophy in the end. But you can tell that team has been through some battles together before. That is a, a veteran defensive front that found ways at key moments in the game. And Jared Goff, as veteran a quarterback as he is, they began to find ways to kind of rattle him where he started off so hot and then began to kind of fizzle at stretches in the game. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey is outstanding. And we were talking about Debo Samuel a bit last week. When you have weapons like that, George Kittle didn't have a high volume of catches, but the catches he made were very impactful. And he's and just a really tough boy, cover. Can he block. Yeah. My God. God, and is he a relentless blocker? We were just talking about the Baltimore Ravens of all teams getting away from their run game. Those are two teams on the field that, yes, have passing attacks that can make plays, but they have an offensive scheme and a, a determined willingness to continue going back to the run game over and over again. This is where, like, the, the thing I emailed you guys with the list, you know, the teams who've been most successful over the last quarter century are teams who play defense, who do have a dependable rushing attack. That's the majority of that list that I was you know, talking to Parkins about late last week of, of the, the programs in the NFL who have been most successful mirror more like San Francisco and like Detroit. And then, yes, at some point, you, you, if you get the guy and everything else is, is sort of cured for you, maybe you get a Patrick Mahomes or something like that. But the teams who have sustained success most are squads who put a defense together, who have a willingness to run the football and take alleviate some of the pressure off the quarterback on a consistent basis, like these volume passing outfits constantly put on them. And that's what, to me, San Francisco and Detroit are both that. And, and it showed why they made that game. Well, that's why I asked this as sort of this fundamental question when we look at the Super Bowl combatants and we look at the decision the Bears have to make. If you're making that argument, what's going to happen is everybody listening is jumping up and down saying, see, this is why the Bears should keep Justin Fields and mm-hmm. trade the pick and build around him explicitly. Are you making that case through your analysis of this recent history, or are you just putting it out there? Like, is this a subtweet or not? I'm not making the case the Bears should keep Justin Fields. I do believe there's a more than logical case for them to do that. I believe the Bears will be a more successful team in 2024's NFL season 
with Justin Fields at quarterback than a rookie QB. Okay. But there, there's a more than intelligent case to make for if you get, you know, the right guy. If you get a really talented guy, number one overall, and put this great roster in place, I think logically the Bears will likely draft Caleb Williams or whoever they think is the best guy at number one, and it will probably make sense. But that being said, there's things beyond just the evaluation of the quarterback that, to me, indicate it makes sense. It's a fascinating discussion. I mean, it really is the way you look at this and the way you frame it, where everybody can be right. Yeah. Everybody can. And somebody could stipulate to everything you're saying. Mm. And even Ryan Poles could say, Anthony, you make a compelling and lucid argument overruled. Mm -hmm. Because Caleb Williams, in our evaluation, Yeah might possibly be an all-timer, we are not going to be the team that let him get past us. Right, and I think that the film of Caleb Williams, because I've certainly talked to people who've known Caleb Williams and evaluated him, and people who very much vouch for some of the intangibles that are in question at this point, but Ryan Poles and his team will have to sort of sift through a lot of that. But just the evaluation of the film, Caleb Williams is certainly a better prospect at this point in his development than Justin Fields was. But Matt Eberflus is going into year three. The Bears are going into a we-got-to-win-it type of season. And do you want to saddle a third-year coach with a rookie QB, those types of things. But the teams who've been, over the last quarter century, most successful in football, like Baltimore and Philadelphia and Seattle and Kansas City, these are a lot of squads who win consistently, make the playoffs like every other year, have made multiple Super Bowls with a variety of different quarterbacks and multiple head coaches because they play defense and they run the football and they have really talented rosters and the infrastructure of development. That's my biggest concern as it relates to the Bears because when you get bites at the apple all the time, like the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys are in the playoffs almost every year. They haven't won a playoff game in ages, but they're in the playoffs like like on an annual basis with Tony Romo and Dak Prescott and like Quincy Carter, like – they're there every year, and they get that bite at the apple on a regular basis. The outlier is the squad that is the Indianapolis Colts, where they get Peyton Manning, and then they just go on this run for a couple of decades. That, that, it's just it's different than what is actually the the true measure of success in football on a consistent basis. That is my biggest frustration with this entire conversation. And to me, the final four of the the NFL this year was a great example of it can be done in different ways. Mm. There's a quarterback that was taken at the bottom of the first round. Right. He's going to end up being the MVP of the league. The other guy was kind of a throwaway failed <laughs> starter mm-hmm. playing for Detroit. You have the 256 pick in the draft, and you have the quarterback – who was overlooked by a lot of people in the draft community that are, if you go look, even guys that I love, like Daniel Jeremiah, go look at their 2017s and the quarterbacks that they had ranked. Mm -hmm. Go look at everyone and what they told, how many people had Mitch number one on their board and had Patrick Mahomes third on their board. I I certainly have Mahomes third. I had Watson one, Mitch two, Mahomes three. It's like, all right, it's an air raid guy. How frequent does that work at this level? He's careless with the football. Like all all that stuff in the evaluation matters. And to me, if, you know, Caleb Williams, if he is sort of this Mahomes type facsimile, modern football gives it more of a possibility of working. But in the end, can he be as good as Mahomes? Like to me right now, Mahomes is one of one with that frequency of playing beyond the script of the play as a passer. So do you get that If Mahomes is Steph Curry, can Caleb be Trey Young? Something like that. But him being Mahomes feels pretty unlikely to me. But that being said. Yes. Of of course. 
Like, yes, <laughs> of course it's unlikely it's re- it's that he's going to unlikely. beat Patrick yes. Mahomes. And people, like, I hate that they're people even using his name <laughs> when, when they're talking about Caleb yeah. Williams. Because I mean, you got to come up with a comp, though, I, right? I get, I get it. That. But because he's so unique, mm-hmm. it really bothers me that people yeah. are just like, oh, well, the, Clearly, uh-huh. clearly, he's he's got the improvisational skills right. of Patrick Mahomes. Because Zach Wilson you, was supposed to be Patrick Mahomes a couple right. of years ago, too. I Do mean, you understand what you're saying? Yeah. Like, it's almost a discredit to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Like, this dude is, he, he's a unicorn. Stop saying that other people are like him. This is be- like what Chase Daniel did on the afternoon <laughs> show when people were talking about Tyson Bajan. And he was like, whoa, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> There's, like, you... He, 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 right, exactly. No, he said that. It's I'm mother. Right. Chase how, many, how many guys right, are going to make $40 right. million dollars never playing? And he's like, come on. I'm Chase Daniel. There's a respect on my yes. name, right? And I, I'm a Hall of Famer. At, <laughs> at the, the bank. bank. I do. I, I I am thoroughly impressed with the evaluation of Caleb Williams. And so at this point, I will, I will not have any issue if the Bears draft him at number one. My bigger concern, and I, I don't like the conversation being distilled down to either they got the wrong guy or they got the right guy because I think our, our collective football discussion in this town can and should be more nuanced than that. And for the Bears, who over the last quarter century have drafted four different quarterbacks in the first round now, maybe a fifth coming up here, and haven't developed any of them to any consistent level of success. There's a bunch of examples of squads, and that email I sent you guys, Teams, I mean, even the ones I, I removed certain franchises from the discussion because, like, Green Bay, yeah, they had back to back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Neither of them were a top five pick with the Packers on. This is where, like, I think yeah, I didn't realize it in the moment, but then I, I was listening back to when you know, Herb and Golfer, because I, I wasn't able to come back on Friday. But I think Parkins kind of thought, like, he had kind of proven a point where he said, well, the folks you removed from the list are the ones who won all the Super Bowls. That's true, but it still supports my argument, though, that Peyton Manning, like, the Colts are the only squad. Out of the ones, I removed the Patriots, the Packers, the Colts, the Steelers, and the Saints from that last quarter century of of success and went to a bunch of other franchises who've been uber successful over that stretch of time. The only reason I removed those is because it was kind of one or two QBs who did it the whole time. There weren't as many examples of cycling through quarterbacks. But the Colts— And and, and yet, logically— those also could have been similarly well-run organizations. Exactly. But they happen to also have the quarterback. To me, that they are evidence of that. The Colts are the only squad in those examples that I would say they drafted the right guy right. at number one overall, and he cured everything for the Colts. That's not Tom Brady with the Patriots. Tom Brady's like first three Super Bowls. He was like the 12th or 15th best person on their team. Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Ben's not an example of them just drafting the right guy and him curing everything. He was a passenger on their first Super Bowl run. Drew Brees was at another another They could not wait to get Drew Brees out of San Diego. And then he became something in New Orleans with Sean Payton and a franchise that put infrastructure in place. So the teams I removed, yeah, it was because they had kind of a singular or two Hall of Fame quarterback for a hmm. decade or two, but they support the argument I'm making. I was just kind of out of respect removing them because they weren't, they didn't have like three or four different quarterbacks over the last quarter century that were getting it done. But it's rare when you get the one guy who just makes everything else smell better for you. The Bears have a lot of stuff that they got to get right. I'd like to see you write this up, actually. I mean, the the, the rough data mm-hmm. is, is, is great. Have you thought about doing 
couple thousand maybe, words on the score website? Yeah, maybe closer to the draft or something. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to take a vacation first. Who knows? I didn't expect to do this. Really, this was – I've tweeted some versions of this a couple of times here over the last – few weeks yeah, but this is and got, got this a is... surprising degree of pushback on it. So then I went a couple of Fridays ago. I was going to be on the air with Gabe that night, like two Fridays ago. So you know what? I went into it thinking like it's maybe Dallas, Philadelphia, Seattle. All right, let me just write it, like do some research on a few teams here. And then startling the amount of teams that have been so much better than the Bears with a bunch of quarterbacks and a bunch of coaches without having the right guy that they quote-unquote drafted. It's a lot more nuanced than that. You have to have a lot of things right around the quarterback. This is a very Joshian newsletter uh, kind uh, of thing. Oh, you know thing. what that means. I'm just saying. Dan's 100% in on it. Hey, Big Ant, you really made it oh, now. No, I, I was going to bring <laughs> that when, when you get the comp to Joshian. Yeah, okay. no, oh. no, I was going to bring it back this week. Remember the conversation we had about the Snellinger principle, about Blake Snell and Cody Bellinger? He, got, he had a huge pushback. On that, and he wrote about that and about what it was essentially yeah. some of the, the argument, argument that, that I made. What was, yeah. was that was part of it? That was one of the planks yeah. of it. Of if you're not supposed to overspend on free agents, how do you get the free agents? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah. and and saying what do you care if your team oversets? Either way, exactly. either way, right. I'd be really interested yeah. to, to, to. I see might this. do that. Yeah. Where are you going on vacation? I don't know yet. I don't know. We're just starting to talk about it now. We we, we tend with the first vacate like the first postseason vacation we. Just figure something out at the last second. You're like, usually. let's let's go to New Orleans for a couple uh, of days, or or let's go to like a resort in the Caribbean or something like that. We oh. do something like that last second, and then we do like a bigger trip, kind of in the summer or whatever. But where does Bishop want to go? At some point, the Serengeti. Yes, he wants to go to South Africa. Yeah, really? Yeah, that we're not going to plan at the last second. That we're going to no. take some time <laughs> to kind of figure that out. Right? Do you guys right. have any flights to South Africa? <laughs> right. But your blink. You know, we do <laughs> exactly. But they're but ten thousand dollars a piece. <laughs> you are. He is. He is. <laughs> He is. Was that Lethal Weapon 3? Two. Uh, two? Two. Two. Yeah, that was oh, Leo Getz. Right? Leo Getz. But your blink. That's my mom's favorite character from any of the Lethal Weapon movies. Leo Getz. Hello. Can I please get some cotton for my nose? That's an actor with range. Joe Pesci. Here we go. Okay. That's that, my guy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. He has bestowed the blessing on Joe Pesci. Have you ever listened to Joe Pesci's album? What kind of Oh, album? you didn't know that Joe Pesci oh, did an album. He's a band leader. He and, like, Frank Vincent. You, you think of the right Joe Pesci? Uh-huh. Singer? Does he have, like, a baton and everything? No, too? he's, like, singing on this really? album. Really? Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, the who, next time Who would we comp his musical stylings with? I'm very curious about this now. To Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is as good of a singer as Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback. <laughs> I can't wait sure, to check this out. And we spend all this time. We've never seen stuff like this before with Patrick Mahomes. Well, what's Caleb Williams? He's just like Patrick Mahomes. Wait, but we've spent 102 years waiting to see someone like Patrick Mahomes. It's, I know. I know. What a coincidence, right? But it's shocking that you wouldn't go for, I don't know, Kyler Murray. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just say that perhaps he's a better version of Kyler Murray, kind of souped up which, Kyler Murray which right? would be pretty good. <laughs> no. Now, let's go all the way. Let's go all the way to Patrick F. Mahomes. I, I hope he becomes just like Patrick Mahomes. I don't see it happening, but I hope he does. I hope the Bears figure out how to develop a quarterback regardless of who it is next see, season. See, that's the bigger issue, too. Yes. That – you let's say that you have your comp 
you have your Patrick Mahomes comp. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna teach him? It's my concern. It's whatever. It's my you concern. know what? I've had enough of this. All right, get out of here, Aaron. <laughs> That's Anthony Heron. A couple of Bulls thoughts after last night's stirring victory in Portland. When we come back on the score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. And a pull up right side by Grant off the mark, pulled down by Booch. Ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. Time to dance in the Rose City of Portland, Oregon. 104.96, Bulls. Yeah, it wasn't easy, and that Portland team is, is god-awful. They're, not, was, uh, no, they're, they're not any good at they're, all. They're terrible, but it was an entertaining game, and Adam and Stacy were being silly. They were having a very silly night. I think it's like the end of the road trip. I mean, they've been they've been on the road for I a know. little while. Yeah, so they, you're entitled, and even when it was getting closer, like the Bulls had And Portland's nice, a weird place, too. Yes, so I totally understood, and then I was kind of like, hey, uh, guys... Guys, it's a game again. Guys, I know you're busy yucking it up. There's a thing going on. There's a thing that might be going on here. Demar has to do the thing again. But then Demar did hit a three amid all that. It wasn't just trading threes. But Portland can't shoot. They cannot shoot, and that's nice. So I thought Andre Drummond played well. I thought uh, Julian Phillips, man, high flyer. You see the the two handed volleyball. Block. Yeah, he just get in the weight room. He's just got to get in the weight room. Well, I mean that this is all part of the process. Like, he's a first year player. These are things that have to change and will change. But he he clearly has NBA athleticism. And congratulations to Andre Drummond for the flop of the Bulls season. Okay, so, so was his flop worse than Caitlin Clark's flop when she ran into the fan? Oh yeah, I, I mean I didn't think hers was anywhere near as. It, no, Drummond's is hilarious. Have you seen Drummond's? Hers is pretty hilarious too. Drummond's is uh, well, but remember uh, she she weighs a hundred pounds. He weighs three hundred. Uh, <laughs> I did. We didn't. We never got to talk about the Caitlin Clark thing. Uh, <laughs> I know. Like, oh, some student hit me, and I've fallen into a heap, and I can't get up. But so Scoot Henderson touches Andre Drummond. I mean, Drummond is a mountain of a human being. Ah! And first there's like, oh, whoa. And then he topples. I think he got me. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then it was like watching. Do you remember? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Pete Postlewaite as the, the evil florist Fergie in the town. Yes. Do you remember his, when when Ben Affleck's character, spoiler alert, he shoots the security guard and he goes up and he corners him just as he's reaching into the safe. It was like that. The Andre Drummond death scene was, was like that. And crash, down he goes. I would not be surprised if you submit that to the league, if the league is like, uh, Andre. I gave your mother a hot dose. <laughs> yeah. Man, that, that is a, that a, is a, on a wire. That is a satisfying moment in that movie. That movie rules. It's a great movie. That movie but that, absolutely like, rules. That moment was so satisfying. Yep, when he comes back and gets oh. it. And he was actually dying when he yeah. was making that movie. Yep. It's a great performance. Oh, yeah. Like, as, like, everybody's as, great. Everybody's great in that movie. Blake Lively's great. John Hamm is great. Jeremy Renner is always great. They're all awesome. It's fantastic. And the, the British woman that plays his love interest is great. Ben Affleck was great. You yes. Say it. Everybody. No, he's always, I love him. But you didn't mention him. And he's, you know, the star of the movie. And the director, I think, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 that's that's one where if it's on, I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm watching this the whole way. Such like, the that's, plunger. Oh, it's so satisfying. It's just it's like, oh, thank God, because I yep. thought that was gonna be a loose end, and I'm glad <laughs> no, that it's not. Very much not. But that that was the Andre <laughs> drum. It's a big one, Elizabeth. Uh. <laughs> and down he goes. But the Bulls win, and they're. Yeah. Exactly. And the trade deadline is, what, two weeks away? Congratulations, too, to Alex Caruso for being on the, in the player yeah, pool. Yeah, I'm so happy for him. We, I don't know if we'll ever, I mean, we're late already, but I do at some point this week, maybe tomorrow, want to talk about Luca's 73. Because I was watching it. He could have had 73, 10, and 10. And he got some bum teammates, man. And Luca was just like, how much more do I have to do? Just missing bunnies left and right. Just having myself a margarita, right? Hey, hey now you're talking, well, man. I was over at Caesars having myself Ooh, a margarita. Okay. Oh, the killer margarita. Yeah. Which, is it the, on Lincoln? On Broadway. On Broadway, okay. And so, so then I was like, you know what? I had a killer margarita. Don't get back in the car just yet. I walk. I was like, I'm going to go walk down to Belmont. It's a cool, crisp night. And I and like a shadowy figure, Joe Kilgallen steps out. He's like, Holmes. I'm like, Kilgallen. Because he was doing the set. I was like, hey. So we talk comedy and, and whatnot and sports and sports. And we're going to do like a podcast together. So there. It was like a nice night. It was. It was a really. I spent the majority of my time this weekend on the north side of the city. I had a good time. Did you get special dispensation? Do you have to apply for like a visa? No, to be I, allowed a certain amount of time. I have one from DePaul. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's, that's it's like, like going home. You, too. Yeah, you got your tour card. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm already over there. But I went and bought some furniture and walked around, and saw some people, and had a killer margarita. Wasn't there a furniture place right at DePaul? That yeah, Roy's. That's where I went. I got an office chair from there years ago. Yeah, I want to say Roy's burned down, it and did. then they rebuilt it, it. It did, and it was great. They treated me really well. Bought some stuff. I'm gonna, you know, I'm trying to make some things happen in these these hard economic times. In these hard economic times, <laughs> really? Have you seen the markets lately? No, 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 very hard. The economic times are extremely hard in these hard economic. Yes, times. we're the we're the face of it. Uh-huh. Bursting at homes <laughs> here with you until two on the score. The score. This hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Honestly, I think it made us play a little harder. I think it made us kind of gel together because, like I said, we know what we have in the locker room, and I think everybody from the outside in tries to paint the picture and kind of make you feel like that's the truth. And I think for us, it's like, nah, we know the truth about Justin. We know the truth about um, the circumstances that he's been put in, and I think for us, we just try to go out there and back him up each and every week. Jalen Johnson on with Keyshawn Johnson on his podcast. All talk more rock, less talk more. What is it? All gas, no brakes. All, all gas. All facts. No all breaks. facts, no gas. All okay. All, all facts, no brakes. All facts, no brakes. Talking about Justin Fields. Yeah, Keyshawn's been very vocal about his support of Justin Fields over the last uh, few weeks. So you know. I was there was another video that was put out that was brought to my attention and I was like I've been saying similar things but it's totally okay. So I was I for one was was very surprised at the the Bears declaring themselves Dan as 
Justin Fields' team. Okay. Well, with their social media team putting out a video of his highlights. You know what that says to me? He's back, baby. You kid. But there was that. And I was sort of removed from this because of our, our stuff that was going on and, and, you know, traveling around. And I wasn't it really. And I thought, wait, whoa, what? Huh? And I went back. And people really were presuming that because the Bears' own social media team put out a Justin Fields season hype video that the people were actually reading meaning into that. And I know like these, the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey conspiracy theories are out there, but play it out. Before you have a ridiculous opinion like that, Okay, play it out. Think it through. No, I'm not doing that. Think through if that, if somehow Ryan Poles not only has already done his due diligence and scouted everything and made his decision and has already gone through every possible trade offer he could ever possibly get right. and made his decision that somehow he would walk down the hall and tell the 26 year old sitting there putting that video together to give that person the go ahead to now make some statement about the bears future. What in what world could that possibly be true? In the world of everyone is looking for any sort of clue on what the Bears are, are going to decide here. Right, but it's one thing to sort of make fun of it and say, oh, look, he's still the Bears quarterback. And keep in mind all these spectacular things that he does. But to actually read in some kind of causality that is indicative of the biggest decision a Chicago franchise has made in recent memory? Come on. I can't imagine also that at this point, Ryan Poles is doing the puppet master thing at that level of extreme. The other part is, is that Justin Fields is still the Bears quarterback. Under contract. For at least the next year, and if you wanted to give funky you could make it for at least the next two years he is their quarterback their season ended three weeks ago or whatever it was they do this for every single player they've done it for every player even when you knew that they were going to move on from mitch they had a highlight reel of mitch it's it's not an it's not an indicator in my opinion that justin is going to be back i think that puts a a lot of pressure on the Bears' social media team. When two days earlier, they had a highlight video of Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. That didn't get read into at all. Well, they're on the team for next year. Right. And as of this moment, Justin Fields is too. Correct. He's a member of the team. It would be weird if they didn't do a highlight package for Justin Fields. If if we went through the the... 53 days of bears miss. And then everyone was like, look, they did one for Tyson Bajit and they did one for that's the quarterback for this year. Bloodlines got good bloodlines and, and they the did a defense. They did one for Darnell Mooney and they did one like, you know, the one that they didn't do Justin Fields, right? Then that would be its own story. Aha. What does that say? Uh, ha, ha, ha. What? I think it means he's staying. I don't know about you. I'm just laughing. The, the three oh nines. What? <laughs> Bernstein is all facts and all gas. 
Hey, man, you got to get it out. <laughs> After this weekend, you're oh, you're not entirely wrong. The inflammation, man, it can cause all sorts of no, problems. No, it's not inflammation. It's just a lot of damn rich food and heavy sauces. Right, but the, that causes, that's where the ga- gas comes no, from. No, gas is just a chemical process. It's, it's not inflammation. It's inflammation in your... Mm-mm. No, you can't have inflammation. But gas is just yeah, gas. Yeah. It's just like it's just a chemical process and that creates things. And then have that, and then it's like, oh, I need to. And then you go, eh, and everything's fine. See, that's why he's the doctor, because that's that's all you need to know right there about the human digestive system. Just do a little bit of this, <laughs> get a little bit of that, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Mm, and then and you're you good. Get, yeah, a little bit of you know, you just you could do a, a little. You have Beth do a little tummy rub for you. She didn't go anywhere near that. Are you kidding me? That's when you know that your relationship has reached like a real level of intimacy. If you have a significant other that has just got a whole lot of gas going on and they need to get it out, you know, you shouldn't be. No, you know how to do that. Actually, there yes. is you, I, I, hands is, and knees. Dan, this is literally what I'm talking about as we speak. Right now, this is what I'm telling yeah, no, you. No, if it's like an emergency like that, yes. hands and knees. Is the, is you know yeah. there, there is but a way to do that? There's a whole thing of you can you can help your partner out. Yeah, that's that's a one way street in our house. It's, I don't I don't get any help. I I I'm treated I, like you're you're changing a diaper. You just a, go and you. That's a one way. Push street. the legs back and you kind of move around a little bit. Nah, I'm not getting any help from there. That's not. She knows that too many bad things can happen. Next well, thing is she a, can wear a mask. It's an EPA Superfund site. There's there's helicopters everywhere. And, and well, she just needs a hazmat suit. There's That's news all. coverage. There's all of the whirring helicopters, and, and they're like, "What happened over there? Well, there used to be a house there. What is it now? It's just a someone lit a match. It's and a then smoldering then hole in the ground. And it blew up. Everyone's dead. But you know, I think it it could be a good bonding thing, and. You know, there are some there are some women who are like, never, ever will it happen in front of my man. And there are some men that are like, never, ever will it happen in front of my woman. That's not healthy. It, in some cases, really not healthy. It should, or you can be like some of us, and it has to happen spectacularly, sometimes involving props. Well, and, and and full comedy setups. Bits. <laughs> right. If if you're if you're not making it an entire that wasn't a whoopee cushion. If you're not making a whole bit about it. Then what's the point? <laughs> sure. <laughs> One thing, honey, can you flip that light on over there? Thank you. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh yeah, uh, Justin Fields Justin is definitely Fields, the quarterback yes. next year because, because of, of a, a hype because, video. because of a hype video that came out. Even though he's the quarterback of the Bears until he's not. Like, think of it this way. I'm I'm not wishing any ill, but let's say that Caleb Williams in a workout tears his knee up, and that's the guy that they had said, all right, he's going to be our guy, but he's not going to be our guy now, because or we're going to pick him later in the draft because he tore his knee up. Or we're going to take him number one, but we know he's not going to play next year. Well, who's your quarterback then? Or your quarterback is still Justin Fields. And eight four seven Texer says people are stupid. You know they are. This. Yeah, I think if you're if you're searching for omens, for but just you before you do that, think it through. No, it's the think internet. it through that why. All of the powers that be in the Bears would somehow that the conduit for the for the indication of their decision 
would be their social media team doing something cryptic. I mean, I I Come guess on. I guess you could you could try to look at it and say that this is them trying to do messaging because obviously your social media feed is messaging, but not when it puts the general manager in a weaker position to help the team get better. Right. Well, it's it would be like he's calling other teams about potential trades. And it's like, oh wait, wait a second. You don't think we saw that video you put out? We know what you're doing. Because you put a video out. It just, just Don't try to bargain with me, Ryan Poles. You could just, we saw your video. It's just the, the he, he's the quarterback. He had a lot of speak. I don't know if there's anyone on the Bears that's more highlightable than Justin Fields. Like One if you the most were, ever. If, if you're going to do like a sizzle reel of, of Bears players, hell yeah. He's in an all-time list of, of great highlights. I mean, you're talking about a short list of Gail Sayers, Devin Hester, Walter Payton. And this guy. Yep. If you're actually looking at oh my god moments or things you can't, you have to rub your eyes. You can't believe how did he get out I of think there? Jay Cutler how, would be on there too. I know we don't like there's, Jay. There's but a few helicopter man. Yeah, the Seattle touchdown. I mean, come there's on, a couple great Jay, throws. Jay was Jay was but, that dude. Yeah, but you didn't watch a game thinking what's Cutler gonna do today. You didn't well, tune you in. did. You, yeah, you, right. But, but then you want to throw up. He's going to throw to the same cornerback four times and get intercepted. He's going to throw five picks, including two in the end zone. He's going to keep right. throwing at the guy, even though the guy's got his number. Right. Oh, because yeah. You think you get a third interception? Well, try this. Because Thank you. I just got a third interception. I, I guess you got a third interception. How about a fourth? Okay. Okay. He did that in one of his first practices. Guy picked him off, and he got mad. He's like, I'm going to throw at this guy all day in a practice. He's a weirdo. Talking about practice, man. I know. He's talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Live and die for. Practice. But but maybe I'm missing somebody on on the all-time list there, and I didn't see Red Grange play, so I can't speak to that. But. As far as these guys where you would t- tune in the moment you saw they were getting the ball or breaking into the open field and you realize that something that, that, that the, the person with the ball didn't even know what they themselves were going to do. <laughs> Anytime you want to put Justin Fields highlights up there, you go ahead. Uh, I just want to watch. This Texas says, I can't wait for the Cody White hype video. I mean, you're going to have to do some work here because there's a lot of bad on that tape this year. But I'm sure there Cody. were a couple of pancake blocks here or there that you could put together for Cody. See, but well, Cody Whitehair's out of contract. Yeah, you don't need to do one for him. So he's probably not in the list. I mean, but you could have him the the, the range of long snaps and where they end up. No, that's I don't want to. Or they could they could dig out the secret good Bears film that Lucas Patrick was watching. Yeah, but you're not allowed to use that in the social media. Yeah, videos. then everyone could see it, studs. Right. Then it's not. Yeah, a you, don't, yeah you don't want that because that's then, what. Then we can find out how good he played. That's the tape where Lucas Patrick's good. Because the secret tape says it all. Not that, not that talent. But... Right. Sometimes you just have to let it out. Even during an interview when you're sitting in your Corinthian leather chair. Probably not the best time. But, hey, Alan Nero's going to be himself. He's going to go out like that. Damn right. Next up, Anthony Spice Adam. Yay! Former Bear, 
former Niner, drafted by the Niners, and from Detroit. And a lot of people, he's so famous, a lot of people don't even know that he ever played football. Yeah, we could talk to him about that. He's got thoughts on Justin, I imagine. Uh, we'll ask him. He's got thoughts on a lot of stuff. Do that next here on The Score. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, powerhouse pairing, 10 to 2 every day. On 670 The Score. I think I said it pretty, pretty vividly. It's like getting your heart ripped out, and uh, it's, it's hard. You know, it's hard. And no, we didn't come in and have to nobody. We were doing backflips like, all right, we got this thing one. They know better. We all know better. We talked about it. We knew they were going to make a run in the second half. We talked about it. We knew we were going to have to weather a storm in the second half. And uh, so when they started to make a push, it was, no, we weren't surprised. We just couldn't counter back. And we've always been able to counter back. We just couldn't quite do it in this one. A downtrodden Dan Campbell. And one can understand why he felt that way. It's too bad. He needs to go to to the the to the Dagobah system and meet with a mentor and reassess before he returns triumphant in the monomyth. I don't know if he even needs to. Well, maybe I'm trying to think of who his mentors might be. I mean, he's. he's Served under a lot of other head coaches. I don't know. I don't. He doesn't. Does he come from a tree of note? Yeah. Who's his Yoda? I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk some football with our guy Anthony Spice Adams. He can be found on Twitter at Spice Adams. Former Bears and 49ers defensive tackle, co-host of Inside the Bears on Fox 32, the co-founder of No Plan Productions, a multi-platform media company and creative studio. He's with us on the Circa Sports Illinois hotline and twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. Spice, how you been? What's going on, man? I'm doing all right. How about y'all? We're doing great, man. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it, especially you jumping out on Twitch, too, which is a lot of fun on this. Oh, set. that's what we are? We on Twitch right now? Okay. Yeah, man. That's how we do it here. <laughs> so so what, what was it like for you emotionally yesterday as – someone who was drafted by the 49ers and still does stuff occasionally with the 49ers and someone who reps Detroit as hard as you rep Detroit. Yeah, you know what? I was happy for the city. Uh, the Lions, they they bought the whole city out. It was it was great to see. Me and my wife was just talking about it. It was like, man, the refs took the game from them the other day, you know, and, you know, now this happened, whatever, whatever. But, um, you know, of course, the 49ers drafted me, so I feel like I'm forever in debt to the 49ers. And uh, everybody always wanted to know, hey, man, are the Niners going to win? Detroit going to win, man? You know, this is your hometown, whatever. And I'm like, I got to go with my Niners, man. You know, the Lions had a chance to get me, and they didn't. But I, I didn't want to be fake about it, man. I haven't cheered for the Lions. I took my heart and emotions out of it when I was a kid, man. I was smart enough to say, hey, man, look, I know – the Lions are not going to win. So what I did was I just became a fan of individuals. I became a fan of Herman Moore, Kerwin Waldrop, Luther Ellis, Barry Sanders, of course. So I became a huge Barry Sanders fan because I knew Barry was going to get off. Barry was going to do his thing. But ultimately, I knew the Lions was going to lose. So everybody been mad at me the whole time. I'm like, do y'all realize it's, it's at the end of the day, it's it's a game. It's, it's still a game. Like, I know it's a lot riding on it and – 
I love the city just as much as anybody else does, but I'm not going to root for the Lions because I know what's going to end up happening. That's kind of sad, Spice, in a way that the whole idea, I mean, it's, it's, it's very mature and precocious for a, for a young man who is an athlete to make that conscious decision. It's one thing yeah. later in life to say that. It's another thing as a young person, say, here's all of my, my friends at school running around this, this, and living and dying with outcomes, and you choosing not to. Yeah, but I had the Pistons. I, so, you know, I was a huge basketball fan. So, you know, football never really affected me until I started playing it myself. And because uh, I wasn't playing and we, we play basketball in my neighborhood. So I was a huge Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, John Sally, Dennis Rodman, you know, Vinnie Johnson, Buddha Edwards. Like that was that's who I turned the TV on for. Like I could I taped all the games on my VHS tape. Like I was I was into it, man. I knew it like I, I had cards like basketball cards like I do. Uh, what's my man named Tom Chambers from Phoenix Suns? Like I had all kind. I had Dan Marley. I had all. I knew everybody in the NBA. But then once I started playing football, it kind of, you know, I started taking a liking towards that. And uh, I never really was a, a big football fan growing up. I mean, as you can see, I had to root for the Lions. Like I knew they were gonna lose. So I was just like, man, this is this is too much. It's too much. Did you get any grief because you got a a big contingent of people in your circle that are from Detroit? Did you get any grief for that? Of course. Of course. Oh, you going to get up against your city, man. How can you do that? Da, da, da. Say, man, the, Detroit had a chance to draft me. They didn't. As a matter of fact, before I signed with the Bears, I was supposed to sign with the Lions. But some crazy storm happened while I was in Phoenix. And it shut down my flight from Phoenix to Detroit. And the Bears ended up sneaking in and, and grabbing me. So they had a chance to get me, and they didn't. They had a chance to draft me, and they didn't. So, I mean, it is what it is, man. I'm just I'm just living my truth. Are you, are you going to be at the Super Bowl this year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go Niners, baby. <laughs> so you got, you got to pull the jackets out the closet and everything else? Oh, no, nah. they they right here. I don't have to pull them out anywhere. They, they ain't in no closet. They're sitting right here next to me. Well, I see the hat. Like, I can see yeah. that you got the hat on right now. Oh, yeah, man. I'll be ripping. I'll be ripping. That's that's who drafted me, man. That uh, It means something to me, man. Like, I, maybe it don't mean, it, mean anything to anybody else, man. But it means something to me, man. You took a city boy from Detroit, and you say, hey, I want you to be a part of my team, man. I played there four years, met some great people, man. Brian Young was in the Hall of Fame, who's from Chicago. He's he's a Chicago Bear fan. He grew up being a Chicago Bear fan. But if so Chicago George Bears, Kittle. George Kittle's a huge Chicago Bear fan. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, you got to be able to navigate through this thing called life and tell people, look, this is the deal. And people have to respect how you feel about it. Oh, how can you do that? Like this. This is how I can do it. Wait, what, what are you gonna do? This is my life, man. What you you're not gonna change how I feel about the 49ers, dude. Just you can't. I'm glad that you feel that way, quite honestly. Yeah. Like I, I think it's good. So so let me ask so you. So look, if the if the Niners played the Bears, right? I'd be I'd be torn. I'd be really torn. But I had to go to Bears. Because the Bears are where you spent the most time, and 
they're the ones who wanted you as a free agent, and, and, and that's where you've built your life and all that they're stuff. They're also yeah, still putting a couple beans on your table, too. Hey, at, like I say, I got to live my truth, man. I, I I honestly couldn't lose. If the Bears played the 49ers, I could not lose. I, w- I would be happy either way it went. So, Spice, you know, when, when, do you, when do you think that might be possible for the Bears to play the 49ers in a game that's important? Don't do this. I'm just asking because all of Chicago <laughs> is trying to find out, like, are they going to be good soon? Because there are moments where you go, man, they're close to being good. And there's that's, nothing- that's been the case since I've been playing here. That's true. You were on some good teams, though. I know, man. Gosh, man. I, I, what's so funny, man, and it's not funny, but I looked myself in the mirror the night before the NFC Championship game. I was like, don't be that guy to say, oh, I wish I would have did this. I could have did this. I was one game away from the Super Bowl. And here I am. I was one game away from the Super <laughs> And I got to argue with Ryan Clark because, you know, Green Bay beat Pittsburgh for the Super Bowl. And I was like, man, we would have beat the brakes off of y'all. The brakes. And he's like, no, no, y'all wouldn't. Da, da, da. I was like, yes, we would have. Y'all had a good defense. It was you. Um, Troy Palomalu, y'all had some, y'all had some dogs. Brian McFadden was he on that team too? I James think. Harrison, Ferrier, Larry Foot, they were stacked. They had maybe Casey Hampton was up there. I, I, I can't remember. Uh, but they were, they were stacked, man. We, we had to beat the brakes off. Spice, I know that you and I have had this conversation before, but considering like how famous you've become. Are you still running into people who will see you over the next couple of weeks in 49ers gear and in a 49ers hat and not realize that you play for the 49ers? All the time. All the time, man. And they think, like, I'm getting really good with Photoshop when I put, like, action photos up. <laughs> It'll be me sacking Donovan McNabb or something like that. And they'd be like, dude, you're getting really good with Adobe. <laughs> Your Photoshop skills are crazy. They just can't put two and two together, man. Like, I actually play. And I saw your comment you put. You was like, finally. You finally show people that you can really go. Like, you finally. Like, I did that uh, that skit with uh, To Hear More about teaching them how to play football. And I, like, I didn't tell them I was going to do it. I got in my stance, and I just teed off on them. And I was just like, yeah, this is this it's, is what we do. This so, is what we do in warm-up. So, look, I'm very, it's frustrating for me because, you know, like, I covered Spice. And. His job is like the hardest job on the football field. So people see Spice like smiling and stuff on yeah. like that's not what his job was. His oh, job was was yeah to be the 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 grimy. Yes. And so they did it like a drill. Like a, there's a comedian that did a drill and he didn't oh, yeah. he didn't realize <laughs> that Spice used to be that guy. Yeah. And it's always funny to me whenever you ask football players when, oh, ha, 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 let's play around. You ha, know, ha, ha, ha. Oh, and Lawrence, then you get knocked into you, Friday. You know all of the Doug Buffon stories? Yes. All of them. <laughs> the famous Rich Ackerman story where at the old building and he got in a stance. That's what happened in this video. He got in a stance yeah. and, and in front of Doug and like the switch <laughs> flipped and he that's, put that's he knocked this right guy there. 30 feet back off a concrete wall. 
Because, oh, like, damn. you don't get in a stance in front of him like that because it's like it's like what they say. How do you behave around an actual bear? There are certain <laughs> things you do and certain things you don't do that trigger ancient behaviors. Spice, when you kick your leg up in the video, this. I knew it. For I was like, this dude is about to get the business. Because when you kicked your leg up and got into, like, a, the real stance, it's like, yeah, you gotta he's dead. Yeah, you got to get in that sweet spot. Yep. Like getting that sweet spot, man. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, man. I hate to say this, man, but sometimes I I wanted the Bears to lose just so I could hear Doug phone go off, man. It was it was it was poet. It was poetry, man. Yep. Yes, man. Because you talk about you know fandom and all that, and 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 that that's real because it wasn't fake. Like you yeah. say, you got to live your truth. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, people think like. Also, people think I can't be a fan of the Bears and the 49ers. Like, where is it that say I can't be a fan of two teams? Like, where's the blue book in that? Like, I can do whatever I want to do, number one. Number two, what you going to do about it? That's right. <laughs> what you going to do about it, man? I could be a fan of 32 teams if I wanted to. Yeah, the gatekeeping of fandom is is a hobby that some people have about what's okay and what's not, and whether it's, you know, Cubs or Sox or the, that, that kind of tribalism. And you're going to be happy. Anybody's going to be happier if they're engaging with any level of sports on their own terms, however it makes them happy. Yeah. And then, like, if you're not a fan of it, then if you're not a fan of that team, then don't watch the game. You're going to watch the game, ain't you? Absolutely. Well, shut up. Shut up. Then, I would man. if it were for Taylor Swift. I'm not watching a game because Taylor Swift is. Oh, taking, you're gonna watch it? No, she's taking away all of my precious manly juices. They disappear and evaporate when they show her on the screen, and I become less of a man. Yep, this is what we got to deal with, man. 2024. <laughs> That's exactly what we got to deal with. Man. Spice, what do you think is like if you were thinking of of the keys to victory for the Niners against Patrick Mahomes? What do you think they are? Defense got to play lights out. Defense got <laughs> they got to go win that game, man. They got to go get in his face. They got to knock the ball out. Same thing they did with uh, Lamar. That's the same. That's man. They got to get after him, man. Um, and uh, the, the D line got to take over. Period. They got to. They got to make. And you got to do it with a four man rush. Got to get home, man. So yeah. if if it was us, we in that cover two. I'm looking at Tommy Harris, and I'm like. Hey, if you listen, we got to be on our P's and Q's out here, man. We can't nobody. I know you're going to make mistakes, but if you're going to make a mistake, make it full speed. And even when somebody did that to Mahomes in a Super Bowl, and even when they they beat him in a Super Bowl, that guy showed you it was one of the most remarkable performances, quarterbacking performances I've ever seen in my life. And when you saw the opponents that were just they, they were wowed at these impossible throws that he was making. That could happen again. You know, you could even yeah. if if you put him in a position where he's got to dig down and use every last bit of whatever superpower he's got, he'll he'll meet you at that. He'll 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 meet you with that occasion, whatever the outcome is. Man, he's he's awesome to watch, man. Just like you know, all the the, the high profile or elite quarterbacks that you saw, you saw uh, Brady, you saw uh, Manning, both of the Manning brothers. But if if you get to him and you knock the ball out. Is they, what can they do? What can they do? If you go into a game and say, we got a rush and cover, the rush got to be just as important as it is on the back end. The back end got to be just important as it is for the rush up front. Got to stop the run, number one. Number two, you got to earn the right to rush the passer. And when you do rush the passer, get the ball out. So that's 
that's what our our mentality was of course as you can see and then when you get the ball score like we really made an emphasis on when we get the ball go and get somebody to block everybody like if not then we're gonna put the red dot on you and say man what type of effort is this and we was gonna do that internally like the, the coaches they have to talk to us about it i mean they did because that's their job but you know we took it upon ourselves to you know, be hard on yourself, man. Like run those extra sprints if you need to, whatever. Like, you know, but uh, we we played smart ball. And I, I don't like to always say like, oh, we was the end all be all when it came to, but I mean, we had some dogs, man. We had a lot of Hall of Famers on our defense, man. So, you know, um, I think if the defense get to him, man, it can change the complexity of the ball game for sure. What do you think as someone who played with Charles that his name is mentioned every week in the mm. in, in the NFL that the peanut yeah. punch is now so synonymous with him and the the teams that you played on that's wild to 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 know that something that that one of your guys did is now mm. still here years after he's retired that that goes to show you man how important he was man like peanut tillman was really one of the ones who made me run to the ball Cause I knew if I saw 33 anywhere near a wide receiver or anywhere near somebody going to make a tackle, there's a possibility that the ball is going to get out. And it, it paid off for me uh, against the Eagles. I said, uh, I think it was a Deshaun Jackson caught a slant or something like that. Peanut let him catch, knocked it right out. I went, scooped it up. I didn't get a block from Alex Brown, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Hope you weren't expecting we had, one. We had, we had the red dot. Alex, like, come on, man. Alex going for the ball instead of the block. I, I got the ball, brother. Okay, just get the block. Maybe I'll pitch it to you if you get the actual block. But, but um, yeah, man, Peanut Tillman, dude, he's, he, he's awesome. And then you got that. Like I was saying, you know, you got to get to the quarterback and rush and cover and all that other type stuff. But you get a guy like Peanut, man, he's thinking about it. Like I saw this guy, he used to wrap like jail things around his knuckles, both knuckles, cause he knew he'd be punching the ball a lot. He used to wear these contacts that were like red on the outside or something like that from the glare he was getting. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, whatever you are doing, keep doing it. Cause I'm running to the ball every time I see you. Ain't no question about it. You talk about a legacy spice that, I don't know if it's happening yet, because we're probably not far enough removed from it, but I guarantee you there will come a time soon when kids on a playground will use the term peanut punch and have no idea why it's called peanut punch. Like, even if, even if and when he makes the Hall of Fame, like, that kind of thing, that's a, because of how ubiquitous the term has become, that that's going to become one of these generic football terms that, that we're going to have to t teach our grandkids. You know why they call that a peanut punch, young man? Because mm. there was one guy named Peanut Tillman who popularized it. Because that's to hear it still used, it's on the tip of everybody's tongue every time it happens still. Yeah, it's, it's like that when I you know tell my kids, hey, at least you don't have dial-up. And I laugh and they're like, what? <laughs> What's dial-up? I'm like, oh, man, y'all don't understand, man. Y'all could just look on your phone and just whatever question you have, you could basically just say it to your phone. You could ask Siri or you can just type it into Google or whatever. And they'll come with that. I said, look, if I had an idea on Sunday, I had to wait till Monday 
during normal business hours to go to the library and research it. I had to go to the library from nine to five. If I had an idea at 6 p.m., I had to wait till the next business day to research it. Like you got everything you need right at your fingertips immediately. Like you don't have to wait. Like you just get it now. So I'll be telling this stuff to my son. I, I was like, look, man, I wasn't born at, like I wasn't 43 when I was born. Like I've been, I've been, I've been 16 years old before I went through this or whatever. They think you don't go through anything. Like you, you, you didn't have Twitter. You didn't have Snapchat and all that. It was like, dude, relax. But I've also been through life. I've also been 16 before. So, you know, you try to give them advice, but they think they know everything. Well, Lil, Lil Spice is doing his thing now. What's it like being a football dad? Oh man, it's dope, man. You know, I get a chance to, you know, pour into him and to to be there for him. Cause I, I didn't have that growing up. It was just me and my mom. So um, you know, I get a chance to see him mature and mature as as a as a as a young man, but also mature and playing football or playing sports. You know, and I just see his his attitude shifting. I see him learning things. I see him trying new things. And I allow him to have his freedom because he's not me. You know, I, I played nose guard. And so he's playing all across the defensive line. He played fullback and tight end, like all kind of stuff. So he's out there having fun, man. And it's uh, it's, it's great to see, man. And it's very therapeutic for me because I never had that growing up. Well, Spice, this was fantastic, man. It's always great to connect with you and continued success. Like every every time I see you, you're just out here doing something great. I'm trying, man. I'm I'm living the dream, man. I'm living the dream. You know you my guy, man. You hit me up anytime, man. Text, all that, man. You know, if I don't answer, I'm, I'm going to call you right back. Yeah, you're really good about that, so it's appreciated. And now we're going to get Alex on asking why he didn't block for you that one time. Oh, uh, you know, it's been several times. Anytime a ball is involved and it's either me and Alex around, he's going for the ball instead of going for the block. It, it happened in Green Bay. Uh, I think uh, Aaron Rodgers was going for a pass and he threw it, but it, it ended up being like a, uh, I think Hunter Hillemeyer like hit his arm and he caught the pass that he was trying to throw. And then he tried to throw it again. And then that's when I intercepted it. But it's, it's going to go down as a fumble recovery. But Alex didn't block. But Alex didn't get the block on that play. Okay, we're marking the tape for all this stuff because you're going to hear this again on these airwaves. I can promise you please, that. Please let him know. Let him know about himself. We will. Spice, stay well. Tell the family I said hello. I will. AC, said hi. That's my. Tell her I said no Sotros. <laughs> hey, Lauren said no Sotros, AC. Thanks, Spice. Appreciate it, man. That's Spice Adams. Such a good dude. Former Bear, former Niner. What do we got next? I don't know. We're way late. Yeah, we're crazy late. Back after this in the score. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.